Hello, and welcome to another episode of MTG Rants. I am your host for today, Ross Miriam. Uh, our My normal co-host here, Tan and Grace, uh, is away this week dealing with Fab Worlds that he'll be commentating this weekend. So nice. we have brought in a special guest whose voice you probably just heard, and that is Todd Tandy Anderson. Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's kind of weird to say Todd Tandy Anderson because most it's when I say Tandy, people don't realize that it's a portmanteau of Todd Anderson. And I so did not realize he, at first, by the way. Yeah, most people don't. It's crazy. I don't like. I don't know, man. It was so natural to me when I came up with it, and it, and people just don't get it. I don't know why. It makes sense to me too. You know, once I realize it's a portmanteau, because it, as a name, it rolls off the tongue really nicely. It's Tandy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Plus, you can make, like, Candyman puns. You're the Candyman. Yeah, I, I'm actually a big fan of Candyman. When I was a kid, I loved scary movies, and the Candyman was always just terrifying to me. And uh, they actually made a... I thought it was a remake, but it was actually a continuation. Uh, Jordan Peele, uh, like, produced a newer one recently, and it was very good. So Nice. Well, uh, today we're going to talk essentially entirely about uh, the preview cards from the brothers war we've got i would say about two-thirds of the set uh out right now maybe a little under uh had a ton of previews over this last week so tannin and i have talked a little bit about some of the earlier ones but that said todd's here now so we can revisit those and get todd's opinion on earlier cards as well uh in addition to the ones that have been previewed over the last week so um todd why don't you just kind of pick somewhere what card are you what cards are you excited about? Uh, so I've actually seen just like a ton of stuff and streaming most weekdays, like people just like, hey, what do you think about this card? And it's it's always weird because I don't look at the spoiler stuff while I'm streaming. And so every day people are just like, hey, what do you think of this new card? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me take five minutes to go read it and figure it out. And then I'll come back to you. And um, this set, Brothers War, has honestly had like, I don't know, 10 or 15 cards so far that I thought were actually great. Um, and just like scrolling through the, uh, the spoiler or whatever, man, there's so much cool stuff. I think my favorite one, there's a, uh, multicolored creatures, blue and red. I forgot the name of it. I'm looking for it right now. This is the um, pyromancer. Yeah. So it's third path iconoclast, right? So blue and red for a two, one human monk. And then whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you get a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token. So this card, very reminiscent to young pyromancer, but notably, just kind of pops off with things like Mistress Bobble. Yeah, and and that's a big deal. If you know, you can we can all remember back to the days when Young Pyromancer saw a lot of play in Legacy. It was in large part because of the pairing with Gataxian Probe, where you right. could cast it on turn two, then immediately play a free sorcery, get a token before your opponent has a chance to use a removal spell. And that way, you know, you're guaranteed value. Mistress Bobble is already one of the most played cards in modern. Uh, seems to go very well with a card like Third Path Iconoclast and gives you that same explosive potential and that same guaranteed value. So uh, I see where you're coming from, but I'm still very upset at this card because oh. my token is an elemental token that Young Pyromancer <laughs> makes and not a soldier token that this card makes. So what the hell? Well, here's the thing, Ross. Guess what? Uh, you can just commission someone to make new tokens of you. People do it all the time. 
Also, I'm pretty sure that uh, Third Path Iconoclast and Young Pyromancer are just going to be best friends in some format, so I think you'll be okay. Right. Well, I still have like a thousand of those elemental tokens, so <laughs> yeah. hopefully Young Pyromancer sticks around. Uh, obviously, like, Iconoclast is an is it card where Pyromancer is mono-red, but generally Young Pyromancer has been in is it decks. Yeah, I mean, the the fact that you have to be both blue and red, I guess, is a little wonky, but I mean, I, I think the card's great. I'm in love with it. Yeah, the, the Mishra's Bauble synergy, especially. Like, I, I don't know exactly what we're doing with that, but those two cards definitely go together like peanut butter. And Ross, you should be obviously one to know what we're going to be doing with Third Path Iconoclast, right? The card goes right into your pet deck in Modern, doesn't it? Um, I don't, I don't think so. It can. Uh, are, are you a Ledger Shredder truther? We we've been playing Fable. Fable has replaced Ledger Shredder. I'm um I'm a hundred percent on board with that. I've played with Fable. Uh, it, it's better, and Fable does things that this card does not do. I mean that's certainly true. This is way more aggressive, but I I played the uh, the Fable version of like Spike's Red Green build of the deck, and um I had a so many turns where I just like played an Underworld Breach and just played Mistress Bobble three times. And I have to imagine that stuff like Third Path Iconoclast just makes that type of turn just so much stronger. Yeah, I could see Iconoclast opening up a more aggressive angle for the blue versions of the deck that yeah. aren't as aggressive as versions with Dragon's Rage Chandler, like Spike's Gruel List. So maybe, you know, the deck wants to be more aggressive and it makes its way into the main. Maybe it's a cyborg guard when you want to pivot into a more aggressive game plan. Um, but it, it doesn't strike me as like a, a you know 100% slam dunk. Maybe they played in in friggin' is it Merktide? That, I mean, maybe that deck also know. plays four bobbles and a bunch of cantrips and yeah, and they they have been known to play young pyromancer type cards in the past. Yeah, it's just the the one drop creatures are just extremely powerful. So at, at the very least, this card is better than young pyromancer in that deck because it triggers off a bobble, which yeah, is a absolutely. huge deal. So if if they have some young pyromancers in the sideboard, this card is a clear upgrade. But I, I think we can do better. Maybe. Maybe it goes into it's non-creature spell, so that's the awkward part of playing it in like the affinity decks because they play a bunch of zero mana artifacts, but it's all the creatures. Yeah. Maybe there's a version of that deck that like plays Bobbles instead of like Memnite because you're making a bunch. I don't know. You could do like Thopter Sword stuff. Like you could do it with Urza. It's really powerful with Urza. There, I'm sure that there's just like combos with this card because it makes artifact creatures, and there's just so much yeah. affinity for artifact stuff and. Um, Improvise is kind of cool. Paradox, I think Paradox Outcome's non-token, but yeah, and it I'm is. just trying to think of things that can go with. I don't what, know. What if you played it in a different style of affinity deck that instead of playing like Frogmite, you played the the scale and tooth. Remember of Chisgoria? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like you know, those end up just costing zero because you get to three artifacts really easily, and then when you cast them, you get another token here. You still play the sevens and the, like the thought monitors and thought casts and stuff. But you just tear through your deck and make a million tokens with this card. Yeah, that could I don't be know. Cool. That it sounds sweet. I, I know that it's it's going to be good, but because it, it's basically just new young pyromancer yeah. with. Upside. I, I can just imagine going like turn one tapped. Is it artifact land? Turn two land iconoclast. Play a Mishra's bauble. Make a token. I have three artifacts now. Play a scalar tooth. Get another token, and you have five artifacts on turn two. And so then your turn three is nutty. All right, well, what's your favorite card so far, Ross? I know that you probably got one picked mm -hmm. up. Honestly, I, I really don't. Um, like, I, 
There's not a there's a lot of cards that are kind of interesting to me, but there hasn't been anything that really leapt off the page. Um, you know, I definitely like the uh the soldier land just because I think those tribal lands are a good way to get aggro decks to have better mana and pioneer, but they also need to print a bunch of blue soldiers to make it worthwhile, which I guess they have. There's been a couple that they've printed, but there aren't any that existed before, so they're kind of forcing a square peg into a round hole there. Well, I mean, there's a couple multicolor things that they are printing in this set that I, I don't think are worth splashing for necessarily, but really it just allows for like a white weenie deck to just splash blue very easily for Negate or Mystical Dispute or whatever in the sideboard. Yeah, maybe you just don't even really play, like, you know, Azoria soldiers. They're just incidental soldiers that come along with the white aggro deck, and now you get to play, like, you know, Reflector Mage really easily, and then, yes, like you said, sideboard some counter spells. That could be what it does, but there are some cool uh, Azoria soldiers, like Harbin Vanguard Aviator, the 3-2 the flyer for two that pumps your soldiers and gives them flying if you attack with five. Yeah, but attacking with five, like, I don't think you really need a, a, a buff when you're doing that, right? Like, you're just already winning by a mile. Yeah, th that part of it is the least relevant, but it is a, you know, two just two-mana, three three-power flyer in a deck that has a lot of ways to, you know, pump it and put counters on it and things like that. So, uh, you know, evasive creatures have always been great targets for things like Luminarch Aspirant and Thalia's Lieutenant. So it could just have enough synergy with the rest of the deck that it's worth it as a standalone and then there's also uh, the three drop blue guy that got uh, previewed today. today yeah. Sky Strike Sky Officer. Strike Officer. Yeah, I saw him. Two three yeah. flyer. When it attacks, you create a one one color soldier artifact creature token. It's weird because normally that type of effect would make a Thopter, but this is not really Thopter theme. This is the the artifact soldier theme. Uh, but then tap three on tap soldiers you control draw a card. I I think this card's excellent. I think that this is worth splashing blue for by itself. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting one. Um, I like that it's a you know that you curve pretty naturally with it. Where if you have one drop soldier or two drop soldier, this card on three you can draw a card. Yeah. Um, and then you know obviously every turn it attacks, it's an, uh you're generating more and more tokens to draw more cards. It snowballs with itself. It's another flyer that's a great way to you know great target for pump effects. And then those extra tokens are also going to make the the Azorius legend better. So there, there's a very clear theme here of like go really wide uh, with what the the Azorius soldier deck is doing. My one qualm is that like is this card better than Adeline because that's really the card it's fighting with, and Adeline is really good. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, this might be one of those cards that's just going to get resigned to standard play, but I I really appreciate. Uh, the fact that um, a bunch of the soldiers are humans and vice versa as far as old humans are concerned. And so something like Skystrike Officer could maybe slot into a Pioneer Humans deck as just a so soldier sub-theme in the human sub-theme and just give you like the ability to just draw a bunch of cards. I'm not even sure if this is the best soldier payoff. Like It's probably not, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, and, and then obviously like, there's, there's the Lord from the previous set, so that, you know... They, they foreshadowed this coming. So that there's definitely some interesting stuff to do with White Aggro now and Pioneer that's, you know, that's already been a successful deck, and now you just have a lot more options. It's just a question of, you know, if the options are good enough. Yeah. There is actually, now, uh, now that I'm looking through the cards again, there is a card I'm kind of excited about, 
but it's mainly because I've been excited about another card for so long in Pioneer, and I'm ho- like hoping that we <laughs> finally make it work. Uh, so the, the new card that I'm referencing is Felden Ronum Excavator. So oh, one of the red, 2-2 two, two haste, camp yeah. lock, human artificer, uh, legendary. And when it is dealt damage, you exile that many cards from the top of your library, choose one of them until, end of the, until the end of your next turn, you may play that card. You know, obviously a solid card. Uh, you know, anytime you trade with it in combat, uh, even it, you know, it can even potentially chump attack uh, into a bigger creature. And you're like, sure, I'll, I'll just, you know, eff- effectively impulse or, or better. Um, but the reason I kind of like this card is that it is an individually powerful, cheap, legendary creature. And I've just been hoping for an aggro deck that gets powered up by Mox Amber in Pioneer for so long. Yeah. You know, ideally, we would get a second one drop. I don't know if you've if you've looked at this, Todd, but essentially every single color has one one drop legend in Pioneer, <laughs> and I really want a second. Uh, Black is getting a second in this set, but Valentin is not anywhere close to playable, so it doesn't really count. Yeah. the 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 good one mana legends are Kithian and Zergo, so in in white and red. And red now has Zergo, Felden. It already had Karizev. And because Mox Amber works off of Planeswalkers, the three mana Chandra also Ooh. turns it on. And Mox Amber, like, you know, gives you an extra way to trigger your prowess creatures. And now that you have a lot of good one drops with like Kumano faces Kakazan, you can have those draws where you go like turn one, Mox, Zergo, play another one drop, and you're just super far ahead. Maybe you turn two a Chandra or or, you know, just double spell again on turn two. Those are the kind of draws that get me kind of excited to play an aggro deck in Pioneer, so I'm I'm hoping that this might be good enough, but I also just don't like the idea of playing too many two-drops. Well, I mean, I think if you play too many two-drops, it's not that big a deal if you can play Mox Amber and then play a one-drop also, right? Like, yeah. your curve's not that True. cluttered. And then uh, the other issue, obviously, with this card is it lines up very poorly against Fatal Push, but, like, basically yeah, every two-drop does. Yeah, so. what, you know, what's new? Yeah, uh, but it's obviously going to be like very good in aggro mirrors, very good in red mirrors. Um, you know, so it has a lot going for it. And if it puts an, a Mox Amber aggro deck over the top, that 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 I'm interested in. Yeah, over. I mean, I think the card's cool. I think that your point of it being a legendary is actually makes it more desirable than anything else. The two two haze can't block. We that's just been a text on cards before. And if this was 2-2 haste can't block and is also unblockable, I think that would be effectively the same ability and it would and it doesn't really change anything. If it was unblockable? So basically if if I don't want my opponent to get the card, like I'll just never block it. I'll just take two a turn or whatever. Like Oh sure. I don't know. Blocking is also just impossible in modern or in Pioneer. I don't know <laughs> how much how much you've tried to block. It doesn't work out well most of the time. Um I, you do a little I do a little blocking. Adeline's uh, you're, a good blocker. Oh, that's true. You're a Thraven Inspector, man. Thraven yeah, Inspector. Thraven Inspector was, was born on the mean streets of blocking. Yeah. Um. So, uh, other card I'm excited by. Uh, we've Tan and I have mentioned this one, but I'll be happy to get your thoughts. Gix Yogmoth Praetor. Yeah. The one black black three three. Whenever a creature does combat, deals combat damage to one of your opponents. Its controller may pay one life if they do draw a card. So obviously phrased there, so it's more functional in Commander. 
Uh, and it has a bunch of other text that, like, you know, lets you do things. But it's basically just 3-mana three 3-3 three, three that turns all your creatures into Ophidians. Yeah, I think that this card is actually kind of fucked up. And so the card Edric, right? The It's like Legacy 1-of in every Green Sun Zenith deck um, has just been completely egregious in various points in history and Legacy. And it was never in Standard, never in Modern. And I'm pretty happy about that because it's very, very powerful. This card is that effect essentially in a better color for aggressive decks and you obviously have played a ton of mono black aggro when when the format was playing smuggler's copter or you were allowed to play smuggler's copter and that deck really needed something to give it like a refresh of resources after it spewed its hand cards like smuggler's copter lets you discard those reanimating creatures gix instead just lets you replace them you you could just chump attack every single turn just to get in chip damage and just draw an extra card, and you eventually just overwhelm your opponent with just raw resources. Yeah, and you draw a bunch of lands and use that extra mana to recur the creatures that chump attacked. And that there, it makes a lot of sense. This is the effect. This is an effect that I would have expected them to word in a way where you only get one card off of yep. no matter how many creatures connect. Yep, and it would but, still be good if it was just that, but it's way better than that. Yeah, you know, mono black aggro hasn't really been a a, a major player in pioneer for a while now, but this is a card that could, I could see, you know, yeah. bringing it back. Absolutely. It's just such a heater against, like, control decks or attrition-style strategies. Because usually when you're playing Mono Black, you can just play enough one-drops where eventually one of them gets down under the removal. Um, and then you just play Gex, attack, get one card. And, and in a lot of spots, that's enough velocity to just end the game. Yeah, and obviously, like, if your opponent has the removal spell, you're not going to draw cards, but when you think about what is the primary attrition matchup in Pioneer, it's Rakdos, and they're playing Fatal Push, which is hard to have Revolt for all the time, and they're playing Dreadbor, and then they're, and they're playing Stomp. And this card survives Stomp in Dreadbor, at least Dreadbor for a turn, so that you're able to get the value out of it. Uh, you know, oftentimes, I bet it's going to force your opponent to use a removal spell on you know, your blood or blood soaked champion or your, you know, scrappy scrounger or whatever. I don't think they play scrounger anymore, but well, uh, you can play whatever you want. That's it. You know, that's the thing. The, the format is going to get reset when the new set comes out. And, and I think Gix could actually just change the hierarchy of what's better in those slots. And I mean, scrappy scrounger seems excellent with something like y'all Gix, you know, it's yeah. just so powerful the, they play tenacious underdog, which is just better. I yeah. don't think it's better. I think, I think scrappy scrounger is better than tenacious underdog. In mono black aggro, I don't know about that. That's fine. You can not know about things all the time. It's, your, <laughs> it's basically your job. Uh, re- regardless, uh, I I agree that like you know the the most change that we've seen in Pioneer has been in that like you know selection of aggro decks. Like it was all mono white a little while ago. Recently, we've seen red decks prop prop up with a Tarka's red and you know uh, red wedding and and mono red aggro variants. So. Uh, we could definitely see a mono black pop up again as you know a premier aggro deck in the metagame. All right, let me take the next one. Sure. All right, I want to talk about Teferi Temporal Pilgrim. Ooh, I was hoping you would pick this one. Uh, because uh, this one, so I, I like to do this thing on Twitter, well, just like everybody else, where whenever a new card comes out and I like it, I'll just tweet a picture of it and just kind of be like, this is the kind of deck this is going to go in, or this is about how powerful I think this card's going to be. And with Teferi Temporal Pilgrim, I was like, this card's kind of messed up, but 
I think people are just going to minus two to make a creature just like three times in a row because that's just what it does. And uh, the zero to draw a card is just only going to happen when you're like super desperate or building a battlefield doesn't matter. This is one of the most aggressive blue planeswalkers I have ever seen. Uh, the fact that you naturally draw a card every draw set means that just drawing a card every single turn gets you an extra loyalty counter on it. But the 2-2 the two -two you create also gets a buff every time you draw a card as well. The 2-2 two -two also has Vigilance, which means that you can attack while playing defensively uh, to protect it. And it just, it's mono advantage. And in, in, in a blue deck, like, you're just going to have a lot of things that just cycle to draw a card, or you're going to have cards that, uh, you know, you're kill something and replace them, or bounce and something and draw a card. Treasure cruises yeah, and all that stuff. But the, the thing I want to hammer home is that th this is an aggressive Planeswalker. And we don't see that too often in mono blue. And I think people just misevaluate it when they first read it, thinking that, oh, I'm just going to draw a card. I'm going to cast like Treasure Cruise Brainstorm and then Ultimate, and then I'm going to blow up your board. And what's actually going to happen is you're going to play this after killing your opponent's creature in a turn or countering something. You're going to play this on an empty board. You're going to make a 2-2. You get to untap. It goes to a 3-3. You're going to make another one. Then you're going to play something that says draw two cards, and then your opponent loses the game. And that's it. The game's over. Yeah. Uh... So I th I agree that that is an option with this Planeswalker that most, you know, blue Planeswalkers haven't been able to do. Um, you know, and, and we've seen the benefit of a Planeswalker that can be aggressive with the Wandering Emperor in control decks. Uh, and this, you know, this card kind of reminds me of that in a, in a different way. Obviously, like, it, you know, it doesn't have the removal spell tacked on, but it has this, you know, potential to be a card advantage engine uh, that Wandering Emperor doesn't really have um so i i don't know if the minus, minus two is a default option the way you're describing i'm not prepared to to go that yeah, far if your opponent I, has a three three option. or four four in play you're not going to minus two right like you're just going to play it draw a card and hope they can't deal the last chip damage to it but the 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 entire game plan revolving around teferi temporal pilgrim should be to try it your best to cast it on a clean battlefield. However you want to do it. Yeah. You can play I mean, that's bounce the goal spells. for every planeswalker. I mean, some planeswalkers you don't need to do that. This one, like, your entire deck should be built around trying to leverage that exactly in some way or another. Uh yeah, I, I could see that. Maybe that's the best way to build around it, but I I like the fact that in general it can do a lot of things. It can be an aggressive card, like you're saying, where you minus two a bunch make those tokens, and those, I agree, those tokens are really powerful and can dominate a battlefield, uh, especially when you have two of them. It can be the, you know, just slow card advantage engine where you're drawing two cards a turn and you're burying your opponent like a traditional Planeswalker. And then on top of it, there's this combo potential where you can cast other card draw spells and then race to the minus 12 and you know, essentially combo your opponent out. In particular, I think there is potential with Seagate Restoration, a card that is relatively powerful, comes at a low opportunity cost, but is often hard to cast simply because spending seven mana on it can leave you really far behind. If you're able to cast it and then immediately minus 12 this card, then you're just laughably far ahead. I just can't imagine losing a game after doing that. Have you ever cast Seagate Restoration? Mm, maybe? I've only cast it like maybe three times or something. And I don't know that I've ever drawn more than two or three cards off of it. It's a, it's like a desperation play. It's a, 
I have to draw two or three cards right now and waste my whole turn and hope that I draw enough stuff to like come back next turn. Or you're laughably far ahead and have like 18 cards in hell already and you cast it and, and like the game ends next turn. It's a very strange one. And I don't and like you can certainly play that type of card with Teferi, but I, I'm looking to play more just like into the royal, you know, like things that bounce something and draw a card. Blink of an eye for, for those of you who are uh, <laughs> born after the year 2000, I guess. Sure, for the Zoomers. But uh, but yeah, I th- I think you just want to play things that cycle, like things that do something and draw a card. I think that's where you're going to want to be with this card. Yeah, I I could see that. Maybe it's like a cyber card in you know, is it Phoenix decks or whatever? Sure, that's. A- I think it could maybe reinvigorate that old blue red control deck. Yeah. You know, like the- there there's your there's your combo with Teferi. Just go Galvanic Iteration Treasure Cruise, draw six, and then you know. Then you can minus twelve your Teferi. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think it's that difficult to minus twelve it, and and that's kind of scary. And but also, I don't think that the minus twelve is the the second best ability. I think it's the third best ability on the card. Oh, it definitely is. Uh, it might be the fourth best ability, <laughs> right? Oh, right. The lo- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so if you count the static. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot to like with this card. I, I think at, you know if you're looking at this and and evaluating it through a narrow lens of just being that card advantage card advantage engine planeswalker in a control deck, it's obviously worse than Teferi Hero of Dominaria because Absolutely. it costs five and but that it's only, costs three. It's mono blue, so you can just do whatever you want. Just put it yeah, in blue red, yeah. put it in blue black. Like blue black needs something like this, right? Like I I've played the five mana Ashiok in blue black control. Uh, as recently as two days ago, and it was okay, right? <laughs> it was okay, and and I think that if I had ever had this instead of that card, I would have dumpstered my opponents. Yeah, uh, I I don't think this card is good enough to displace you know blue white control as as the default control deck because this is not the card. That, this is not as good in that specific role, but to, this card also is a lot more versatile. It just yeah. uh, it can play a lot of different ways, as we've described. It can be an aggro card, a combo card, or a control card. So I think in decks that are a little bit more diverse in how they approach the game, uh, this card could, could be quite good. And it's obviously you know a very powerful card for standard. All right, are you possible. a rules guru? If I ask you a rules question, will you be able to answer pretty easily? Pro- probably. I'm I'm pretty good. All right. Is the ability of static of Teferi whenever you draw a card, put a little to counter in Teferi? Is that uh, a trigger? It is. Go on the stack. Okay. Triggered abilities always start with the words if, when, or whenever. So Days Undoing is notoriously bad at comboing in some formats because it ends the turn when it resolves. And so many cards that trigger when you draw a card say whenever or when. So it's big Sag. Can't just get seven loyalty on him. Yeah, it is not a combo with, uh, with Days Undoing, unfortunately. But definitely one of the better cards in the set, I think. All right, next. Um, ooh, here's a fun one, and I'm not sure what to make of this card, so I'd like to hear your opinion on it, and that's Awaken the Woods. This is X green green sorcery, create X dryad arbors. I think this is commander bait. Uh, this obviously works nuts with, like, Avengers in the car. Um, I have played token generators like this in the past, you know, Secure the Wastes, that type of card uh, has been fine. Um, what was the one that had Convoke? There was a Convoke make tokens. It was like green, green, white, X. Oh, um, Paul Conklin yeah, or something. I know. It's I from Guilds exactly. of Ravnica. 
Um, yeah, so that card was was very good because it had Convoke. This is a, a, one of those cards that like is just a, a a payoff for a green deck, but not a very strong payoff unless you specifically are playing Landfall stuff. So I think that this is just going to be Commander Bait. You, I, I don't you, think it's you know the tokens are forests, right? Great. Well, okay, tell me the combo so I can. So, well, you know? th- that just means it's a ramp spell, right? I, I get it. Like, if it was make X line worlds, it'd be the same, but worse. But, right. like, Explosive Vegetation has historically been a very good card in Standard. This card, if you cast it for X equals 2, it's just Explosive Vegetation, right? You know they made... Do you know that they made Rampant Growth, but it was a creature? And mm-hmm. then it was never played? Uh, I, I kept trying to play it. Yeah, and it died, died every time, right? And it just was bad. It was... I mean... Yeah, it did not. The strength, the strength of explosive vegetation and rampant growth is that your opponents cannot interact with your lands very easily. Yeah, this card, I, this card for four mana is good, right? Make two, make two elves or whatever. But like, that's not you want to do this for six when you have Avengers in the car and play, man. That's that's just it. But uh, obviously, yeah, obviously, like at four mana, it is worse than explosive vegetation. But it's also a card that scales. You can cast it at three mana to be the three mana rampant growth if if you know that's what you need to do. It's it's the versatility. Like I, I would have if they told me they were making a, a sorcery that was an X spell that created X dry arbors, I would have thought the additional mana cost was more than green green. Sure, that's that's a, that's a low that's a low additional cost. I think uh, I think we always undervalue mythic rares when we first see them because they're usually unique enough that we just haven't seen that type of effect in a while or haven't seen that exact type of effect at that mana cost. And this is a perfect example of that. Like. Most monogreen players are going to love this, but for me, I have Pioneer Brain, and this just doesn't go in monogreen devotion, so I don't care. You know. Yeah, and the other thing I like about the card is that it is both a ramp spell and a payoff if you draw it late, and yeah. that is that duality goes a long way towards mitigating the variance that ramp decks naturally have because their decks are so bifurcated between you know mana and payoffs. And it, you end up in a lot of scenarios where your opponent has answered your first couple payoffs and you just need to top deck one and you're drawing nothing but ramp spells and lands. Uh, so the fact that this card can play both roles uh, is really nice. I don't know if it really has a home, but I think the card is sneakily good. Yeah, and I also want the the, the listeners out there to know that um, I haven't played Standard in over a year. So... I don't really look at magic cards through the lens of standard anymore. And I think a lot of people uh, in my play group are similar. And uh, I could, I could definitely see this card being standard good. You know, like this is a type of thing where it's cool enough and potentially versatile enough or explosive enough where it is a thing that puts a mono green mid range ramp deck kind of over the top. Uh, so I, I, I like the card a lot. I just, you know, it just doesn't have a home in my brain. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't really, I don't see a home for it, but I like the card and I want to find a home for it. Yeah, that's that's where the card uh, sits for me. Okay, you're up. All right, we have this new uh, white mythic uh, Miril Shield of Argive. I haven't seen it yet, so let's go over it. So three and white human soldier legend uh, Miril Shield of Argive. During your turn, your opponents can't cast spells or activate abilities of artifacts, creatures, or enchantments. There's a common theme in in this set. There's a two drop that does the very same the very same thing, like Grand Abolisher type thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, second ability: Whenever Muriel uh, attacks, create X one one colorless soldier artifact creature tokens, where X is the number of soldiers you control. Wow. 
So just whenever it attacks, you just get a 1-1 for every soldier you control, and your opponents can't interact with you on your turn. Uh, yeah. Now, notably, it's you control, not the number that attacked. So even if you if Muriel yeah. attacks alone and you've got three other soldiers back, you'll have six uh, you know, untapped soldiers afterwards. So very, very clearly playing yes. into that theme. Very clearly like a hero of blade hold kind of stand stand card, but like the opponent not being able to interact with you on your turn is kind of messed up. I, I really like this card. I think it's very good. Um yeah, I'm I'm skeptical of just any four mana card in an aggro deck. <laughs> um but I, that's I think that same sort of pioneer modern brain that yeah. uh we both have. Um, I wonder if there will end up being a sort of standard Azorius aggro deck with... Oh, there uh, has to be. They push it so hard, man. The, yeah. the, the soldiers all look great. Like, the the soldier theme so far to me has seemed like the most coherent and powerful, and there's not any other tribal synergies, really. Like, there's there's only the one tribal land. Like, I was hoping they would show the tribal land and then do, like, goblins and do one for merfolk and yada yada. Um, but, like... I've just seen so many soldiers that just look pushed, you know? Yeah, and in terms of your mana, which is usually the issue for two-color aggro decks, especially in standard, you've got the tribal land, you've got Attaker Wastes, and you've got Deserted Beach, the the slow land, which will be fine for a standard Are, curve. Did the pathways rotate? Uh, yeah. Okay. But, you, but you, have three, you have three straight dual lands. Sure, yeah. Two great. of which are untapped early. Uh, you know, presumably you'll have a soldier in your opening hand, but... Um, so... That that seems great to me if your mana works that well. So I could definitely see this being the aggro deck that honestly standard needs right now. I know you haven't played standard, but I, I assume you've seen it. <laughs> and it's, it's like just mostly a, mid-range soup, right? Yeah, black, it's a, a huge soup. mid-range fest. Uh, I know like the Hottie Jin deck did really well uh, over the weekend because it can sort of tempo the mid-range decks out a little bit. But there, I think the big issue with standard right now is that there's just no viable aggressive deck. There's a lot of great cheap removal. There's a lot of good cheap value creatures that the mid-range decks play, like Blood Tithe Harvester, Tenacious Underdog, um, you know, things like that. So it's just hard to, like, get underneath these decks effectively. Uh, and, you know, this being, like, a go-wide deck, especially with Meatook Massacre out of the format, uh, and having you know, a lot of individually powerful cards and good mana, hopefully uh, it makes a splash in standard. Yeah, I think it could. Um, all right, so your turn, I guess. Okay. I have one if you want me to go again. No, I've got one. I want to talk about Draconic Destiny. Okay. This this is the Dragon Aura, so one red-red aura. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one. It has flying, haste, and uh, flame breathing, uh, and it's Did a dragon. Did you just say flame breathing? Do I is... need to take your old man card from you? What, I, I knew I said it wrong. What What it's, is it called? It's just fire breathing. Fire breathing, there we go. <laughs> um, and uh, and it's a dragon in addition to its other types. And then when Enchanted Creature dies, you return Draconic Destiny to its owner's hand. So, um, you know, you've just got that kind of rancor effect where you're able to go in on it and not get straight two for one. You do get still have a significant tempo loss they kill your creature, but this is pretty powerful if it sticks. I am inclined to heavily disagree. Here's here's my take. So Rancor, uh, exceptional because green creatures tend to be large. Rancor only costs one mana and adds evasion. 
Uh, Draconic Destiny costs three, adds the evasion, but only gives a plus one, plus one buff. That kind of stinks. The addition of haste is like maybe interesting, but it would be much stronger if it was only like a one or two mana enchantment. Um, at, at three mana, I just don't see you playing a creature and then being able to play this on the same turn. So the haste almost feels like tacked on or even just like not relevant to me. Um, and then the fire breathing is like kind of cool, I guess. My my only problem is that like we had a four mana version of this card. What was it Sarah's Embrace or Sarah Ascendancy or something like that? Yeah, I forgot what it was called. Angelic Blessing, something like that. It was just like plus four plus four in the exact same ability. Plus four plus four flying for four mana is a thousand times better than plus and plus one flying haste for three mana. So uh, I agree, and that's where I'm at. Like just comparing it to something that we've had in standard in the last decade, and that card was excellent. I loved it. I wouldn't say it was excellent, but it was a solid role player. So if you're significantly worse than that card, you're you're not in a good spot. That's kind of where I'm at. Like I I don't know. Like this is a weird one, you know. Like this could go in like a mono red devotion deck, you know, because it adds two red pips and it's like fire breathing, and you can put evasion on your two drop or something. So like it definitely has potential, and I could very easily be underestimating the fire breathing ability. Um, I, I would like to see what kind of decks play this, though, but I, I don't think too many decks are gonna. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I wanted to talk about it, but I am a little low on the card, but, um, you know, I'm, uh, it was, it's still, it was an interesting card to me, but not one I'm, I'm super high on. All right, so my next one's gonna be a fun one, and I think that this one could be cool to talk about. So we have Titania, Voice of Gaia, but it's a combo with another card, Argoth, Sanctum of Nature. So there's going to be a twofer. So Titania, Voice of Gaia, uh, 1GG for a 3-4 Reach Legend. This is already pretty heavy stats. 3-4 for 3 mana for Reach is pretty good. Um, elemental, whenever one or more land cards are put into your graveyard from anywhere, you gain 2 life. So automatically this goes pretty decently with fetch lands. Goes yeah, pretty decently doesn't? with things that self-mill yourself. You know, like Grizzly Salvage type effects, this card can be pretty good. Um, anything that says I've been your upkeep, like mill some cards, could be kind of cool. And then, um, but the, the big thing is the fact that it can meld. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there are four more land cards in your graveyard and you own and control Titania uh, and a land named Argoth, uh, exile them, then meld them into Titania, Guy Incarnate. And the land is pretty sweet. So let's talk about the land as well, real quick. So the land. Uh, enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a legendary green creature. So that's kind of hard to do, but uh, it taps for green, uh, but it says two and two green, tap it to create a two, two bear, only activate as a sorcery. So one thing that like a lot of these green creature decks need is just something to use mana on later in the game. Like I just kind of run out of stuff to do all the time. And I'm also kind of expecting them to ban Karn the Great Creator at some point. And you're just going to need more lands to do stuff. And I think Argos Sanctum of Nature is just like a perfect one of land for Monogreen Devotion to find off of Cavalier of Thorns for like those super grindy matchups. Um, and playing like one Titania Voice of Gaia and one Argos Sanctum of Nature seems like a very easy thing to do. And if you ever have both of them in play and you transform into Titania, Titania is unbelievable. Like it's just a, it's a easily win the game card, you know? Um, I don't know if I would go that hard on the, on the meld sides. So, uh, Tan and I have talked about this card before. We both agree that it is the, the best of the meld combos. Um, but 
I think it, the reason that is, is because it's melding with a land that is super low opportunity cost to put in your deck. Right, that's why I think yeah. it's good. And re- remember that when you make a 2-2 with the land, you also mill three cards. So you get to like trigger Titania and you know set up the meld um, and do cool stuff like that. But the, I mean, the, the backside is powerful, but it's just a giant idiot that makes some more idiots. I do like that it transforms well, on a, your up. It's a giant idiot that has haste and trample. Like it's immediately attacking you for like 20 damage. Yeah. I, I mean, if you meld anything, you, you should basically be winning the game. But Most I, of the old meld cards didn't have haste. And the ones that were good was like Hanwar Battlements. Like, and that one was pretty good. Like, I played that yeah. in Pioneer for a little while, and it was fine. And that, that was the best one because it was melding with a land. That's super exactly. low opportunity cost. And you, right. only have to, you really only have to cast the one spell. Like, so you agreed. The limit does not exist. You, you could conceivably transform, meld these cards together on, on your upkeep of turn four. Like, yep. if you just play the land on turn one... Turn two, cast a Grizzly Salvage, you know, and then turn three, play Titania. Uh, obviously, like, you need to have four lands in your graveyard somehow, which is kind of tough. But if your Grizzly Salvage just hits four lands, uh, you know, un- unlikely, but conceivable. Uh, and, like, turn five is, is you know, very conceivable if you build your deck to do this. I don't yeah. think Mono Green Devotion is built to take advantage of these cards. I think, if the, you know, these are secretly Golgari cards because you need that graveyard theme. But... The fact that the, you know, Titania gains you life to buy you time, and then, you know, you're generating value with these graveyard cards. I'm sure that, like, there's other ways to utilize that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I think this is the best meld card. I, I, it, it just all makes sense to me. Like, Titania is a very defensive card that, you know, keeps you alive with a life gain. The land is a value-generating land, which is great. Um, and then, you know, once you get to the late game and you transform into Gaia Incarnate, suddenly you've got this giant creature, you've turned the corner, you're now the beatdown, and you have all your mana untapped when it when it melds, so you're able to, you're probably able to use the ability at least once and mm. add another four power to your attack that turn with a land. Um, it, it's a cool card, but I, I wouldn't say it goes into Mono Green Devotion. I think it's its own thing. That's fair. But uh, I do like it quite a bit. Right, and well, that was, that, go ahead, sorry. the land could go into a mono green aggro deck that plays Mox Amber and a bunch of legends. <laughs> I mean, that's true, man. I like there's so much you can do with these cards. Like legends just have the natural ability to lend to Mox Amber and by default, just like other like kind of fast mid rangey decks or whatever. And I'm curious, like they've just printed so many legends in the last five years that I feel like Mox Amber is just going to get broken at some point. Like, they're just going to make too many one-mana legends or whatever, and it's just going to cause some really big headache. Yeah. When they, when Pioneer was announced as a format, and Tannen and I started this podcast, the very first episode, we talked about what cards we thought were going to get banned, and Mox Amber was on my shortlist. And it's nice. the only card that we talked about that hasn't been banned from that <laughs> shortlist. And so I, I just want to get that card banned, for my own peace of mind, Todd. And did you have Leyline of Abundance on your list, or uh, I did not. I did not have Leyline of Abundance. No. <laughs> yeah, I think that one's probably the offender. You know, in the yeah. Nykthos deck, it's probably Leyline of Abundance. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I'm. I, I do quite like Titania, um, and, and I hope it sees play. Like the, these kind of decks can often like they need a lot of other pieces around them. Um, and in a format like Pioneer with so many aggressive decks, it, you might not have the you know time to set up things like this. So it might just be a standard card, but 
I'm, I'm hopeful. There's definitely some some cool stuff going on there. All right. Next up, Fauna Shaman reprint. What do you think about Fauna Shaman? Um, I think this is a card that people look at with rose-colored glasses that wasn't even very good when it was first printed and right. is certainly not very good now. With, it was in standard with Vengevine. Mm. Yeah, and like it wasn't... It was fine. It was great! I played it all the time. I literally had like three PTQ top eights with like Fauna Shaman Vengevine decks. It was awesome. Sure. Well, it's it's not in the standard with Vengevine anymore. Yeah, By the no, way, Vengevine is a card say... I want Pioneer really badly. Yeah, no kidding. Um, that reprint's coming soon, I bet. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. Fauna Shaman's gonna jump up to like 40 bucks. It's it's a cool card for this set, obviously, because it synergizes with Unearth. It's a card people like. I bet it sees playing Commander a lot of the time. Um, but I just can't imagine playing this card. Especially, you know, people I've seen people talk about it potentially in Pioneer, but yeah, this is like one of the worst cards to cast into a stomp I've ever seen. <laughs> well, I got bad news for you, Ross. It's all it's always gonna die to stomp forever. Right. Yeah, I know, and that's a problem, because Bonecrusher Giant isn't going anywhere, and that card is ridiculously good. Fauna Shaman, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, There's a reason that, you know, there's a couple reasons that Karizev is one of the premier red two-drops now in Pioneer, when it wasn't a while ago, and a lot of it's a, largely because of Bonecrusher Giant. I just want to point out that I was on the Karizev train before anyone else. I want to throw that out. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll pat you on the back next time I see you. Alright. All right, your turn. Okay, I'm going to go to, uh, right next to Fauna Shaman because this is a sweet card. Brotherhood's yeah. End. Yeah, one I red, red sorcery. Choose one. You either deal three damage to each creature and each planeswalker or destroy all artifacts with mana value three or less. This one's pushed. This one, someone had uh, an Anger of the Gods or whatever and they were playing against Arcbound Ravager one time and the Arcbound Ravager could be a 4-4 and they said, you know what? Never again. That's never happening again. And then they made <laughs> this card. And it's kind of incredible, man. I don't even really know what to say. Like, Shatterstorm type effects are usually cost like four mana or are not that uh, effective or efficient. This card is literally one of the best sideboard cards I've ever seen. It comes in against every aggro deck and every artifact deck. And it's just going to be messed up against both. Yeah, probably a good sideboard card for, like, is it Phoenix? Um, yeah, they already don't want to play Anger of the Gods, because, you know, it ex like, I've seen them all switching to Sweltering Suns, and this card is just, like, a thousand times better than Sweltering Suns. Yeah, it just gives you, uh, you know, some value against, art like, artifact aggro decks that see a little bit of play in Pioneer. Um, and obviously, like, you know, being able to deal three to a Narset, or, uh, yeah. you know, some other cheap Planeswalker. Even just three to a... Obviously, you're, you're not going to bring it in against, like, Teferi decks or whatever, but... Um, the, the fact that it deals damage to Planeswalkers actually, like, makes it a little bit better from a main deck card. Um, you know, for decks like, um, like Fires of Invention decks that tend to play cheap sweepers because they need that against aggressive strategies, and they need it in the main. So I could see this card taking over that spot for Fires decks, and I know Fires decks are kind of all the rage right now because everybody's going nuts over Karuga. Just the, yeah. the next companion in the line. <laughs> like, Yorin's not even banned, just FYI. So, like, in Pioneer, <laughs> that is. And people have already, like, branched into Karuga because it just worked in Modern. The The thing that I've seen the most, though, is is that um, no one has, like, anything other than Stomp as their two-drop. 
And the sweepers all cost like they cost three for um they're playing temporary lockdown right now. And it costs double white. Like when I was playing the Karuga deck on stream the other day, like I just didn't have double white on turn three like three times. And I just don't think the deck can support temporary lockdown. But Brotherhood's End seems like the perfect card to play in that slot because you're already incentivized to play a ton of red. Um, so that like you can play Fires of Invention and Cavalier of Flame. And uh and the fact that this can be a sweeper or it can just like pop a couple artifacts against random opponents seems great. Yeah. This seems like way more of a modern card to me though. Um but yeah, at the very least, it's just a nut sideboard card. It's just so I mean, good. It, it would be, it would have been an absurd modern sideboard card in the Mox Opal days, right? Like when yeah. people were actually playing Affinity. Honestly, like with this card existing, it makes me more inclined to say that we can unban artifact lands in modern. Just unban oh, all of them. Yeah, I, I've been on that train for a while. I, I think unbanning most of the stuff in, on the modern ban list is probably okay. Yeah, it feels like they need to take a real hard look at that ban list in the wake of the two Modern Horizon sets, because the, the power level of the format is just has been ratcheted way up, and there's a lot of cards that could come off. Alright, All right. next up, I got uh, Siege Veteran. You seen this one? I have seen this one. This is the, like the Luminarch Aspirant. Yeah, here we plus... go. Tuna White for a 2-2 Human Soldier. Uh, the beginning of your uh, combat on your turn, put a 1-1 counter on target creature you control. So that is the same ability as Luminarch Aspirant. Uh, one more mana for a 2-2, but it has the additional ability of whenever another non-token soldier you control dies, create a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token. So basically this is like a sweeper prevention measure. You can play this on three up curve, you know, and if your opponent plays a sweeper, you just get a couple tokens out of it and you can like rebuild and start being aggressive on the following turn um but it still has that like damage pushing effect and like combat dominating effect of just being able to put a counter on anything on the end of your combat like luminarch and so blocking is going to be more difficult for your opponent you're going to be able to punch through like virtual haste damage and then if your opponent ever decides to interact with anything other than siege veteran they're just going to get popped for like an extra token yeah this is an Obvious choice for, you know, a standard version of this deck. Uh, so, uh, you know, to me, the more interesting question is, like, does it ever slot into Pioneer? Um, and I just think there's too much competition at the three slot when you okay. don't have a lot of space and you're playing things like, you know, obviously Adeline isn't a soldier. So maybe if you're a sol you know, full-on soldier theme, this card maybe replaces Adeline. Um, there haven't and, been a ton of like, like I need to see like a a mono white card that says whenever you play a soldier, draw a card or something. Like I, I need that, and this it's not there yet for mono white, and because of that, I think Adeline Adeline's already just incredible. Like it's just yeah. maybe the best mono white thread that's ever been made. Like maybe it's very good. It, it's everything and, Brim, everything we thought Brimaz was gonna be. Right, like, Brimaz was good, though. Like, Brimaz in Standard was It was a, not very good. It, in Standard, it was good. At 4, Toughness made it very hard to kill. That was during, like, Stoke the Flame era, but Lightning Strike was very played, too. Um, but, like, not a lot of the black removal killed it very easily. Uh, and, like, I don't know, man. It, it did not live up to the hype, for sure. But, the, but Adeline did. And Adeline continues to just impress every yeah. single time. So, you know, a lot of your three, your... Uh, 
three slot on the curve in these aggro decks is interactive cards. It's things like Reflector Mage and Brutal Cathar, and, and you need that kind of interaction after you've spent the first couple turns playing out some threats and your opponent is starting to put some blockers in the way. Yeah. Siege Veteran, you know, can help you get through blockers with that Luminarch Aspirin ability, um, but you already have Aspirin for that. Um, so, to me, you have to be full-on soldier theme to want this card in a uh, in a format bigger than standard. And I I personally haven't seen enough high-end soldier payoffs to make me want to go the full-on soldier route in Pioneer. You know, the, the Azorius Legend and the uh, two-drop Lord. Uh, it's, it's like Siege of Eterin, I think. No, that's this card. It's a it's a that's it's other it's the other veteran. They're both veterans, um, and uh, I just haven't seen enough of a, of a soldier payoff to make me want to go that route in Pioneer. But seems like a fine card in Standard. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um. Let's let's keep it with the white theme and and talk about the glorious anthem in the trenches. So one white white enchantment creatures you control get plus one plus one. And you can pay five and a white and exile target non-land permanent you don't control until in the trenches leaves the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery and only once. Funnily enough, I think this card would have been really good in that old Heliod Ballista deck. Um, there was like a lot of weird spots where if you could play Ballista for X equals zero and it stayed in play, you could combo them easily. And uh, something like this would be perfect for doing that little bit. Having double white for the Nykthos, but also having a payoff for the Nykthos for the activated ability. But uh, I'm a big fan of Glorious Anthem. Like, I played Glorious Anthem in, like, Extended before, you know? Like, I, <laughs> I yeah. you know, I was a tokens guy for a long time. And Into the Trenches is, is certainly very sweet. But this is, let's get this straight. This is a standard power playable card. It, I agree. I think it's, it's right in line uh, to be a good card in standard. You know, Glorious Anthem, not powerful enough for older formats. Uh, but that ability, like, aggro decks need ways to shoehorn a little bit of interaction in their deck without taking away from their linear game plan. And this is a card that does that well. You know, as you flood and, and the game goes a little bit longer, you're able to deal with a big threat that your opponent was relying on to take over the game. And now, you know, the pressure is back on them. My one concern about this card in current standard is that. The prevalence of really powerful enchantments like Fable and um, Wedding Announcement and the dominance of those cards in the format has caused players to be prepared to answer enchantments already. So, you know, it's a yeah, lot of Yeah, but answering a Fable is not really how you beat Fable, though, because you still have to beat the 2-2. I think yeah, the, the strength of Fable just comes from the fact that it costs three cards to deal with or whatever. But, but they play like that white removal spell that can, you know, can answer a big creature but also can answer an enchantment. They also play like Invoke Despair in certain black decks. So like there's just enchantment removal around already, and that just makes this card worse. Sure. Um, okay, so as for uh I mean that's fine. I, I think that like in general, a glorious anthem is just not good enough. You know, like we have two mana cards that do this. We have two mana creatures that do this, you know. Yeah, but but this is, you know, the soldier deck is clearly very go-wide. You're making a lot of tokens, you know, with that four drop, and you have cheap creatures already. So, look, more anthems is generally going to be better. So I, I think you can easily see, I can easily see a standard deck that just plays all these good soldiers. You've got the two-drop legend from this set. You've got Sky Strike Officer, Siege Veteran. You've got the other veteran from that's a lord that makes tokens when it's in the graveyard. You've got In the Trenches. You've got Mural. 
Um, you know, that one drop with Unearth, the Artifact Soldier, and that there's probably some other, you know, white, cheap soldiers around. Like, that, to me, comes together for a pretty cohesive aggro deck. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right, have you seen the commands? Uh, I have seen them. Uh, I, I have barely read them, so I, I would like to talk about them. Yeah, let's do it. Um, you want to just go down the line starting with white? Yeah, let's start with white first. So Kayla's command, uh, two white, or sorry, one white, white, sorcery, choose two, uh, create a 2-2 two, two construct, put a counter on a creature you control, gains double strike until end of turn, a plus one, plus one counter. Uh, search your library for a basic planes, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle. Uh, you gain two life and scry two. So baseline for this in an aggressive deck, uh, make a 2-2, two, two, uh, Scry two, gain two, or make a two-two search library for a plane. I think that the those two baselines are kind of messed up because, like, Civic Wayfinder traditionally has just been a playable magic card most of the time, and this is like Civic Wayfinder with two other kind of great abilities. So I guess gain two life, scry two is not what I would consider a great ability, but it's it's certainly fine to pick sometimes when you're digging for specific stuff or or if you're playing against an aggressive deck and you want to make sure you make your fourth land drop or find that you know key sweep like you could sideboard this card and uh, cast it on turn three to make a token to block and then gain two life and scry two against an aggro deck um and i I think this is a mid-range card not really an aggro card same you know civic wayfinders typically fit there and like you I'm, i'm a big civic wayfinder fan I tried to play District Guide when Guilds of Ravnica Standard was around all the time. It was <laughs> yeah. not very good, but this is, you know, you know, with all these options, the, this is clearly better. You know, in a mid-range deck where you could have a couple of creatures around, that plus one, plus one counter and double strike until end of turn, it can be really powerful. If, if you're playing a deck, you know, I can imagine a deck with, uh, what's the, the two-drop that connives that they play in the Greasefang deck? Um, uh, I know what you're talking about. Widen one, two, one, connive. Who yeah. cares? It's a common... No, um, well, like you know, with with that in in your two slot, and then you know this card. There are some white mid range decks in standard right now that are, the only issue is a lot of them are Yorian decks, and this doesn't really play that well in sure. those kind of decks. But it is a lot of good value. That second ability, the plus one plus one and double strike, is very good at pressuring planeswalkers, which is something. I feel that, like that could just kill your opponent sometimes if they're not careful. Like yeah, especially with these like a big white mid range decks are just going to play like four mana four four flyers, you know, or they're going to play Archangel of Emeria. They play like Sarah Paragon. Sarah Paragon, that's what. Yeah, I'm so you just like, like eat them Sarah out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. yeah, I just ate you because you tapped out or. Whatever. Yeah, I, I I like this card in those kind of white mid range decks. It's definitely something I would try out. I'm I'm not saying it's a hundred percent you know great in them, but it's it's a so, card I would definitely give a look to. Anything that says the word command on it and says choose two, I'm just going to assume that it's pretty good, and then you just got to find the right home for it. Yeah, just optionality is so important in Magic these days. You need your deck to be able to do a lot of different things. And a lot of times now, these commands give you like corner case effects that you really need. Like One of the big things with Coligan's command and why it's so good is that it just shoehorns artifact removal in decks that oftentimes want it. And You know, I'm sure we both remember, and, and people our age remember the days when you know Jund would board in Ancient Grudge against Birthing Pod because it just needed a way to answer Birthing Pod. But it was so bad, you know, like you know, sometimes when you drew it, and uh, you know, you would lose games that otherwise you felt good in because you basically mulliganed. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up, Urza's command this is the blue one. Two blue blue instant. Choose two. So very reminiscent of Cryptic Command. Uh, creatures you don't control get minus two power until end of turn. Create a tapped power stone token. 
Create a tapped 00 colorless construct artifact token with this creature gets plus and plus one for each artifact you control. And then scry one, draw a card. So baseline for this card, in my opinion, is create a tapped uh, one one and then scry one, draw a card. But then if you're just playing a deck with a bunch of artifacts, it just goes turbo, you know, just like saga decks or whatever. Um, I don't know that you can play this type of a card in modern. This is not really a modern level power card, I no. think. But for Pioneer and Standard, this one could certainly be very strong. Uh, the minus two power against aggro decks can just be fog for a turn while you create a thing or scry one, draw a card. Uh, you know, the, the tap power stone token, if you're a very specific kind of deck, that mana ramp or just having an artifact around could do you some some sweet stuff like activate ability or whatnot. So overall, all the abilities seem reasonable and just the make a thing draw card has just traditionally been very good in magic in the past. Yeah, Construct's also, you know, a pretty powerful card. We've seen a lot of different uh, cards that make these tokens, and they've almost all been good. My, my one question with this card is, how good are Power Stone tokens? And obviously, that's a question for the set, really. Um, yeah. You know, what, what, is your, what is your read on Power Stone tokens, and just in general, like, how powerful are they going to be? So we did not know how good food tokens were going to be. And food tokens basically don't do anything. So I, I think the Power Stone tokens could just be outrageous. I, I yeah. really have no idea, though. And that Notably, Power Stone tokens... I, I, I talked about this with Tannen, and I, I went off a little bit because I wasn't sure why they worded them so awkwardly, where it says, you know, the this mana um, can't be used to cast non-artifact spells. Like, why doesn't it just say can only be used to cast artifact spells? Because they want you to use activated abilities. Exactly. I, fig yeah. I figured it out as I was ranting, and then I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, that, that was like, t you know, two weeks ago or something. And that, you know, the ability to use activated abilities more readily is really nice. Like, you're able yeah. to, you know, just do really powerful things a lot more often than you otherwise would. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are older cards who have pretty expensive activated abilities that potentially get a lot better because you can build a deck that makes a lot of these Power Stone tokens and you have all this extra mana floating around. So that's something I mean, that I would, I'm interested in exploring in Pioneer and, and potentially Modern, I'm, but probably more I'm Pioneer. I'm really interested in doing it in Modern because activating Urza Saga is just like actively difficult sometimes to, while still casting your stuff. And, and I feel like the add a Power Stone is kind of tacked on to a few things and could just be exactly what you need for like a Thought Monitor deck or, or whatever, you know? Yeah, man, uh, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. Certainly not with Urza's command specifically. That this is you know a pretty expensive card. Oh, sure. Card. Just power stones in general. But yeah, is but my power stones in general. And so yeah, I, I could see I could see that for sure. And yeah, Urza's command I, I expect to be a, a pretty good card in in both standard and, and pioneer. But definitely standard where everybody's playing like you know uh, they're playing these like grindy mid range decks. And this is a card that like you know just makes a reasonably sized body and draws a card and. Uh, you know, that, just an easy two for one. Uh, could also play really well in you know the the sort of blue tempo decks that broke out at Worlds last weekend. Yeah. All right. Next up, Gix's command. This is the black one. Sorcery. Three black black. Choose two. Put two plus one plus one counters on up to one creature. It gains life link until end of turn. Destroy each. Wait, they really messed up not doing more of the like life link tokens, huh? This is, feels like a perfect card to do a life link token on. Anyway, it gains lifeling until end of turn. 
Uh, destroy each creature with power two or less. That's kind of cool. Return up to two creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. And then each opponent sacrifices a creature with the highest power among creatures they control. So the fact that you choose two, you get to kill their biggest thing and then sweep each creature with power two or less. That's kind of sweet. Um, you can kill their biggest thing and return a creature or return up to two creatures from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, there's just a lot of different ways to to utilize this card, and I think just depending on the situation is just going to dictate uh, all the the modes, you know. Yeah, and I this is probably one of the ones I'm less high on, but I do think it will play better than it reads if you look at all the all the modes individually. You know, at that small sweeper kind of effect, it usually needs to be cheap because you're playing it for those low to the ground aggressive decks. So at five mana, you're not as interested. You know, just you know, dealing with one creature is fine, but it's pretty expensive. Uh, and then you know, returning creatures from your graveyard to your hand, you're spending a lot of mana to not impact the battlefield with with that mode. Uh, hard to you know commit that kind of mana to an effect that doesn't impact the battlefield. But yeah, the the abilities do synergize with each other. Like you can put counters on one of your creatures and then destroy everything small so yeah. that one of your creatures lives. Uh, you know, then See, it's perfect for like Fable the Mirror Breaker, right? Just put two counters on it, it's a four four, and then you don't destroy your own thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, uh, and then um, you can also notably the the third mode doesn't target. So if you, both players have a bunch of small creatures on the battlefield, you can play the sweeper mode and the rebuy mode and get creatures that you just killed. So yeah. they don't have to be immediately in the graveyard. Um, and, and then obviously like, you know, you can kill all the small creatures and deal with your opponent's big creatures. So it's hard like that. You, you can turn it into a sort of just five mana sweeper that way against a lot of decks where they have the one big creature and a bunch of small ones that they've played earlier. So I, I it does seem like it's going to play better than it reads because of the way the abilities synergize with each other. That said, in order to take advantage of those synergies, I think you need to be in a sort of mid-range mirror or a mid-range deck against an aggressive deck. Absolutely. Um, so I think, well, it reads I think more like a sideboard card to me for that reason. I think that in Rakdos mid-range, specifically in Pioneer, this could be a great singleton or two of. Um, in the past, people have been trying out Invoke Despair, and my biggest thing for Invoke Despair not being that good for me is a it costs three black mana, which is awkward with pathways and a bunch of mono red sources like Sokanzan and Basic Mountain. But also B, uh the the when your opponent doesn't have an enchantment or a planeswalker, just drawing two cards is not that powerful. And I know that sounds stupid or whatever, but it's just not. And Gix's command kind of feels very similar in the vibes that it generates and the type of effect it's gonna have on the board. But it's way more controllable because instead of an edict, you get to big edict. And then also, if your opponent is swarming you, you just have a reset button. And one thing the Rakdos deck does well is actually plays defense against aggressive decks pretty nicely with things like Graveyard Trespasser and Kalidus. And so the board gets gummed up quite a bit. And having something like this after a Kalidus just seems like so nuts. And, uh, and just really punishes people for interacting with you too because if the board's relatively clear... You can just return, you know, two graveyard trespassers or bone crusher giants back to your hand. Yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement with you that that's the role I see this card playing. I think it is, mm -hmm. you know, better than invoke despair in large part because it's easier to cast, but it has a lot of, uh, you know, potential in that role as the like mid range breaker sideboard card. And this one can also come in against some aggressive decks because of that small sweeper mode. All right. Uh, is I don't think there's a green one yet. I haven't seen it. But yeah, the, there's the not a green one. Out. There is a red one. Yeah, Mishra's Command. This one's 
X and a red sorcery, choose two. Uh, choose target player. They may discard up to X cards, then they draw a card for each card discarded this way. Um, this spell deals X damage to target creature. The spell deals X damage to target planeswalker. And target creature gets plus X plus so and gains haste until end of turn. So honestly, this card's cool as shit. I, I, <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. All four modes are extremely red, and one of them is not good. Like if you if you had to only pick one of these abilities, this would be unplayable trash. But just like red X deal X to a creature and a planeswalker is pretty good. Um, but it's just like a thousand times better than that because kill a creature, rummage your hand is pretty sweet. Kill a creature, you get plus one creature gets plus X plus so until in turn is pretty good. Just like it lets you do fire breathy stuff. It lets you do you know removal and big swingy splashy ways. And then when your hand's bad, you can just have one of the modes be, oh, I get to discard all my trash and turn it into valuable stuff. Yeah, I, I see some things here. This is my least favorite of the four, but sure. I, I do still see some potential. Obviously, the scalability is nice, but I just think about a lot of situations in that in the sort of mid-game where it ends up just being a little bit too inefficient, where you're you're trying to, you know, spend four mana to deal with a 4-4 four, four instead of five because you don't have your fifth land or... Um, you know, or just situations like that, really. Um, See, uh, I'm looking at it as like a three mana kill your thing loot two. I think that that's awesome. That is, know? I believe, the best mode. But three mana for a shock is like not super. But it's exciting. not just shock. It's like it's like if they have a planeswalker, you get to get to hit that two sometimes and kill it. If uh, you know, if you have like a creature in play, you played a one drop or two drop or whatever, you get to kill a creature and then deal two extra damage. But just, like, being able to kill a creature and then rummage away that many dead cards, like, that's so valuable in, like, a red mid-range deck or even, like, a red aggro deck that just needs to be able to use this mana more efficiently. Like, I don't know. It doesn't hit players with the with the damage or whatever, but I The, I the fourth mode is sort of your go-to-player mode, right? Right. Um, and uh, like we mentioned with the, the Dragon Aura, you know, having haste is a little tacked on when you really want to be sinking all of your mana into the X, so you're probably targeting a creature that can already attack, uh, rather than playing a creature and then giving it haste with, with Mishra's Command, but, you know, m maybe th there are situations where uh, you can do that. I So, what, I think the biggest issue for me with this card is it is a removal spell, you know, that that's the most appealing mode, right, X damage to a creature, but it's a removal spell that isn't very good against aggressive decks because it's mana inefficient. Yeah. And it's hard for me to want to play removal spells that aren't going to be that good against aggressive decks. Can you imagine yeah. that card being printed 10 years ago? Yeah, you know, things are a lot different. Creatures are a lot worse. Know, so you can I have know. removal spells that are more, that are less efficient. That, and just, I feel like we just don't have time to kill anything anymore, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it's weird. They, they had this, like, arms race to, to the bottom of the mana cost, and... It all just ended ended at Fatal Push, right? Like, Lightning Bolt was the oppressor for a long, long time, and, like, Modern, Legacy even. And uh, and then, like, they just made Fatal Push, and now every single creature that costs one or two has to be a 5-5 five, five that draws a card. It's just so ridiculous. I mean, that's not really... We're, we're, you're, you're going a little far, but... Um, this is yeah. a podcast. We speak in hyperbole. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know... The the one thing that Mishra's Command I think does well against aggressive decks is 
if you're able to on the play, like deal one damage to your one drop on turn two and loot away a card, make sure I hit my land drops or find more gas, you know, just fix your draw. Um, that is that is pretty cool, but I think it's very weak on the draw against aggressive decks. Maybe they should have had it say X plus one to a planeswalker creature. Yeah, I think then it would have been very good. And as it stands, it's probably not good enough. But yeah, if it was cool. X plus one, this card would be awesome. Yeah, if if it was X plus one for just dealing to the creature, I think then it would be really nice. Yeah, um, I I would have liked that too. All right. Uh, so we don't have a green um, uh, command yet. So yeah, I'm sure that's there's coming. Any other but... cards you want to talk about? We can move on. Um, are there any mythics we haven't hit yet? I guess a uh, one with the multiverse. How do you, how do you feel about this kind of omniscience future sight kind of card? It's a six blue I mean, blue enchantment. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library. And once during each of your turns, you may cast a spell from your hand or the top of your library without paying its mana cost. Uh, I think that this is too expensive. Like, compare this to Omniscience, right? No one ever casts Omniscience. Everyone just yeah. cheats it into play somehow. This card is not that. You know, one spell extra for free is nothing compared to Omniscience. And for two more mana, like, obviously it's different, but it's not different enough. This is obviously just more commander bait. I I, I feel like this card is not going to see any any play in constructed outside of like a Tibble's trickery deck. Well, here's the thing I like about this card. I view it playing out somewhat differently than Omniscience. Uh, Om- Omniscience, I agree. Like you basically have to cheat it into play. Um, you know, unless you're playing like the Gilded Lotus Omnidora Thragfire deck um, from eight years ago. But this card, I think you can reasonably cast. And because of that third ability, you cast it for eight mana and then immediately play something from your hand to like deal with the battlefield, ideally a sweeper, and then your what opponent's is battlefield is clear. An eight mana card, like people don't just play eight mana cards anymore, man. Well, in, you know the sta- I'm thinking standard. Uh, I'm I'm not thinking pioneer or or modern for this one, but uh, I mean, yeah, like eight this mana is like the ultimate go over the top fine. card, right? I guess if, it doesn't if you're- do anything by itself, though. That's the only thing I hate. But it, but it, it's you're not you're effectively getting a rebate on the mana that you spent. Like if you cast this and then play a four or five mana spell from your hand, you've only uh, spent three or four mana on this card, effectively, right? It's a and, yeah, it's basically fires of invention, but yeah, it costs eight, and, and that's yeah. much more palatable as opposed to it. Like I, I wouldn't like this if you had to invest eight mana, didn't do anything, and then had to oh, like pass the turn across your fingers. But the fact that you get an immediate rebate on the mana that you cast makes me much more interested in this card as a, it's a go-over-the-top, like, ultimate mid-range Mirror Breaker card. Very specific role, but I think it's very good in that role. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It seems fine. Like, it's, again, it's just like a big splashy thing that's not really for me. What happened to you, man? You, you used to play Pyromancer's Goggles. Go super yeah, plus five. I've always been a realist. I, <laughs> I was not super into the idea of goggles until I played it for the first time. I I was the same way. I was like, oh, it's a five mana thing, you know, like oh, you can fork lightning axe. And I was like, oh, forking lightning axe is kind of cool. And then I was like, well, what else can we do? And then we just went through all the things. But I, I, I like I mean, how we eventually found the fall of the titans because we were using it as a proxy for the card we thought was better, but was actively ooh, much yeah. worse. Avacyn's Judgment. Yeah. I remember that. yeah that's, 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 that's how we found Fall of the Titans, in case anybody was wondering. I th- 
We just had it as a proxy of Avacyn's Judgment, and then you kept drawing it and being like, I wish this card was actually yeah. Fall of the Titans. Yeah, this card would be great. It's just itself. <laughs> Imagine that. The, uh, I don't know, man. The The difference between 5 and 8 is just a whole ocean to me. And, like, people like Ali Andrazi have really been into those, like, really expensive um, kind of game-ender enchantments and artifacts that just cost, like, one or two much too much mana to be viable normally. But he's able to be a strong enough player and build his deck in such a way where it 100% utilizes the card that you're trying to ramp to, and also everything is geared to ramp to that card. So, if I mean, I'm sure that there's going to be a standard deck that plays one with the multiverse, and it's going to be like, oh man, this card's so broken, look at it, it's Future Sight that lets you Omniscience once a turn. And and yeah, maybe, it, maybe it's good, but I, unless you're cheating it into play in Pioneer, it's not happening. It's just not, it's not a real card. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a Pioneer or Modern card. This I'm talking strictly as the standard go-over-the-top-of-all-the-mid-range decks card. Okay. All right. We, we, got, a, we got a Planeswalker that was uh, previewed in the set. Have you seen the Sahili Filigree Master? I have, yeah. Go we got ahead. two blue-red, three loyalties to start as plus one, you scry one, and then you may tap an untapped artifact you control if you do draw a card. Minus two, create two one one colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with the flying. They gain haste and excuse me until end of turn. And then minus four, you get an emblem with artifact creatures you control get plus one plus one, and artifact spells you cast cost one less to cast. So interesting in that you know it's not a traditional ultimate because you get to it immediately if you plus one uh, and you're threatening it the very next turn. So really th- you know three very relevant ab- abilities very quickly. And they all seem pretty good, especially in a form, in a set where you have a lot of ways to make incidental artifacts with these Power Stone tokens. Yeah, I uh, I love the fact that it can just tick up and then ultimate immediately. My big thing is that I just don't think that the ultimate's very good. Like it's just it's just like this is basically a, a makeshift uh, Gideon allies in the car, but I think it's significantly worse because the make a token costs minus instead of zero. Um. And the fact that, like, the plus on this instead of attacking for five is just maybe draw a card. I mean, it's, let's be real. It's probably draw a card, depending on the build. But I don't know, man. I, I just don't feel it. Like, I love blue-red stuff. I love artifacts. I love drawing cards. And when I first saw this card, I just thought the ultimate was just kind of bad. So I just kind of dismissed it. Yeah, I, like I said, it's not a traditional ultimate. This is not a win-the-game ultimate, but that's why you get to it so quickly. And it is a pretty relevant ultimate. Like this is a very obviously a, a specific card that goes in a specific deck. You know, artifact synergies. I like that this card can be you know your source of card advantage. You can grind with it, but it can also be aggressive if you just go to that ultimate quickly. You know, pump up your artifact creatures. Then your next Sahili can minus two and create four power of haste flying for four mana, which is great. So I, I like that it's a planeswalker where if you draw two of them, there's a pretty natural way to curve with them and sure. do some uh, powerful stuff. I think this card is a very good payoff. I'm not sure if the, you know, stuff around it is there. Um, but I do think this card is a, a very strong payoff for these kind of grindy mid-range artifacted decks. Um, because those decks definitely can have some issues clocking the opponent, and Sahili definitely lets you do that. Um, and, it, you know, you're definitely contingent on having artifacts around for that plus one. Like, have we ever seen a four mana planeswalker that just plus to draw a card? 
Uh, Jace, the, oh no. Um, yeah, that one's zero know, to draw a bunch of cards and it was broken. Chandra Torch of Defiance plus to kind of draw a card and it was busted. Right? Yeah. Both those this one obviously demands a lot from your deck building, a lot more than those cards did. But if the deck around it exists, this card is like on that level in those decks, I think. I think that the true strength of this card is just making haste creatures. And the yeah. fact that those haste creatures have flying is a big deal. Like, I can see this card actually being a, a nice counterfeit for Teferi uh, Time Raveler in Modern. Time Raveler, just like such a nuisance, comes down, bounces something, draws a card, is like kind of hard to get off the table for a turn. And Sahili just kind of solves that problem immediately, which I really like. Um, the plus one's good. The ultimate's okay. You know, it's not an expensive ultimate, so... Yeah, I, I don't even view it as an ultimate. Better. I just view this right. as a Planeswalker extra, with three abilities. Extra ability. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's certainly a fine way to view it. That's fine. Okay. Why don't we move into uh, the mythics that are in the artifact section of this set, because there is a ton of artifacts, and... Well, you don't want to keep talking about multicolor? We got Urza, we got Mishra... Mm. You want to handle those first? Yeah, let's do them first. We're, I'm sure. sorry, looking at them, might as well. All right, so Urza Lord Protector. A lot of people have been talking about this card. Um, one blue-white. This is just one of, like, four variants of Urza. Uh, this one's the blue-white 2-4 artifact, instant, and sorcery spells you cost, cost, cast cost one less to cast. So, first and foremost, I think that that ability by itself is just pretty good. I think artifacts costing less. I mean, we, you know, the ultimate on the Sahili is kind of that, right? Just the artifacts cost one less, and this has it as a static. Instant sorcery spells you cost one less to cast. That type of effect uh, sees play in standard right now on the Hottie Gen, and it's excellent. And so, like, this can kind of fit in that Hottie Gen space uh, if you want an extra copy of it. But the fact that it's, like, a Hottie Gen for artifacts, or it also helps out, like, your thought cast, or it helps out, like, various, you know, instant sorceries that you play alongside your artifact stuff, is pretty sweet. Um, I think that something that reduces artifacts by one and doesn't say uh, they don't cause zero can break the game. You know, we, we've had uh, things like that just break the game in the past. And I, I don't know that this is going to do that, but I mean, it could. I mean, Sahili's the same way. But there's a million of those effects, though. We have Ethereum Sculptor, and um, that's the one that jumps off the top of my head. But there's definitely like three or four more. Yeah, I think it's usually when uh, your stuff costs two less to cast, that's usually where some infinite combos come in with, like, being able to bounce stuff or replay them for free or whatever. But I agree, but, like, a, a two-mana 1-2 versus a three-mana 2-4 that also has the ability to meld is pretty sweet. The uh, the only thing that I, I want to, to talk about with Urza is that I, I actually think that the Mike Stone and the Weak Stone is just a great card. I agree. I think the card is, is very good, and it's definitely the better of the pair. Like Right, right. Uh, so I, Might Stone, I think Weak Might Stone... Uh, yeah, you, you, you can talk about it. Uh, so the Might Stone, the Weak Stone, is a five-mana artifact, legend, uh, power stone. Whenever the Might Stone and Weak Stone enter the battlefield, choose one. Draw two cards, or turret creature gets minus five, minus five to end of turn. So, board's try, you draw two. If the board's not dry, minus five, minus five, kill a creature. Both abilities very strong. And then on top of this, this says tap, add two. This mana can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells. So uh, it's, it's basically like two power stone shards in one, but also has an ETB of either draw two or kill a creature. And then the two colors that it creates actually can help you meld it with the Urza. Urza costs seven to meld it uh, together. But what I really like is just the curve of turn three Urza, turn four Power Stone. 
Yeah. Know? And then it curves into turn five activators and meld. Right. And so I, I just think that's pretty strong. You know, that's all. Uh, I, I do think that's cool. I, I mentioned that when Tannen and I talked about this card a couple weeks ago. Um, but I'm just not high on Urza. And I, the, you know, that half of it is not a, a powerful card to me. And I don't think that that you have to invest so much in trying to meld these. Like, and your opponent can see it coming from a mile away because you're going to have to untap with both of them to have enough mana to activate most of the time. So it's just, I just envision so often you like, you know, having that curve and then on turn five, spending seven mana, your all of your resources to try to transform or meld, and your opponent just, you know, kills one of them in response. Either, either one, like they can have a creature removal spell or a shatter effect, uh, and, and it, you're just really far behind at that point. But I think Might Stone and Weak Stone could just see play by itself. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the rub with all these, right? Like, every one of the meld cards is like, how good are they by themselves? Yeah, and, and that's why I like Tatanya the most, because both yeah. cards are pretty reasonable by themselves. Yeah. I, and I do uh, think Mishra is better than Urza because of that as well. I think it has a... Both cards are better individual cards. Yeah. So the four mana Black Red Mishra 3-5, it's got a million lines of text. I don't really want to read it. <laughs> Whenever you attack, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life, where X is the number of attacking creatures. If Mishra is claimed by Mishra claimed by Gix and a creature named Phyrexian Dragon Engine are attacking and you both own and control them, exile them and meld them into Mishra lost to Phyrexia, it enters the battlefield tapped and attacking. Uh, we didn't read Urza Planeswalker side, or and we don't really need to read Mishra just lost to Phyrexia game. side. Like they, yeah, they both stupid. just win the game. You're not losing yeah, after you melt huge, these cards. Huge thing that you probably win. Yeah, but Mishra is a 4-mana 3-5 that says whenever you attack, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life. So kind of like a Hellrider without haste, but a little bit more toughness. 5 uh, toughness is so much. Yeah, and you get to gain life in, in addition. So, um, you know, that Hellrider is a great card. This is probably, you know, this is worse than that, just as a standalone, because Hellrider I don't know that itself. that's true. This, so this is... Uh... A drain, right? You gain the life, and and like sometimes when you're playing as Hellrider, you just gotta soak the damage and hope that you can race them on the swing back. You can't do that with Mishra. And Hellrider died to like lightning strike and all sorts of three damage stuff that existed at the time. And this doesn't. I, I don't know very much stuff and like I don't know standard well enough to know what the like primary removal spells are. But I can't imagine many things kill a three five this black. Uh, I mean, Infernal Grasp is just two mana terminate. You lose two life. Okay, but you really gonna try to play removal cells that lose you to life against the, like Rakdos Aggro deck? Good point. Yeah, so uh, I I agree. I think Mishra is a, is a reasonable card by itself, and then the Dragon Engine is just three mana two two double strike artifact creature. When it enters the battlefield from your graveyard, you may discard your hand if you do draw three cards, and has unearth three red red. So yeah. you're able to like play the Dragon Engine on three if they kill it, and you play Mishra on four. Turn five, you can unearth and attack with both. So they really have to kill the Mishra, which is the much harder of the two to kill, as you said. So, uh, you know, I, I do like Mishra uh, quite a bit. I, I think, you know, maybe Mishra's better than Titania. I don't know. I I, I just got, I've kind of fallen in love with the fact that Titania, the other half of Titania is a land. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, Titania is, Titania the card is not that exciting. Like, it's a three-man, three-four reach that whenever a land goes to graveyard you gain two life that's fine i don't know like mishra is actively messed up like this card attacks so hard so fast and the dragon engine you know i don't know what you're gonna pair with it but like it seems like it's not very hard to buff stuff in this format so a three mana two two double strike is pretty good 
and the five mana unearth and then you bedlam reveler yourself just seems like a great late game play like yeah. these are these are all just like really efficiently costed cards so I, I like that the Mishra is so aggressive. I think Standard needs an aggressive deck. I've mentioned that before. So, yeah. uh, and maybe this could be the aggressive deck because one of the ways that aggressive decks have uh, played in formats where midrange decks are really strong, uh, I, I'm thinking back to like the Thragtusk days, is they had to bulk up a little bit. You know, against Thragtusk, you had to play Thundermont Hulkite and, yeah. you know, Hellrider or uh, Falconrath Aristocrat. These like very powerful threats that could be great curve toppers with your aggressive creatures, but could also carry a game by themselves. And that's what Dragon Engine and Mishra feel like they can do. Uh, give you a little bit of that that oomph that aggro decks are going to need in a world where the cheap removal and the value generation from these uh, mid-range decks is just so powerful that you're not able to get underneath them. Yeah. All right. There's a, a ton of multicolored cards that all look kind of cool, um, but we can just... Keep going. Whichever ones you want to do. Sure, we'll, we'll do the multicolor cards. Which which one do you like? So I, this is the first time I've ever read it, but this card just stands out to me as just like what the hell. So uh, Hajar Loyal Bodyguard, red and green for a three three. That's already like kind of goaded stats, right? That's Watchwolf yeah. stats. Yeah, remember when Watchwolf <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers. And then um, sacrifice Hajar legendary creatures you control get plus one plus zero and gain indestructible until end of turn. So, um, there's a, there's an enchantment that lets yeah. you play a bunch of red and green legends. Gruel, or, uh, not, not gruel class. Bard class, right? Bard class, yeah. So, bar, bard class doesn't really need a ton of help, but Hajar seems like a perfect card for a bard class deck. Man. I, I completely agree. It's, it's an upgrade for that deck. I think it's great. Like, you know, that deck wants just more red-green costed legendary creatures, right? Yeah. It doesn't really fundamentally change the issue that that deck has which is it's bad when you don't draw a bard class or your bard class gets answered. Um, but, but when your bard class doesn't get answered, or sorry, but when you're playing against like, you know, Rakdos or, or blue-white control, something with a sweeper effect, you do need some way to protect their creatures when you don't have bard class, right? Like this seems yeah. just like a, a, a nice beatdown creature for that, for like your really aggressive build, but also B, just like, we don't have this type of effect in, Pioneer outside of Selfless Spirit, I think. So, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. For me. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the, the issue there is that the primary sweeper the Rakdos plays is Extinction Event, so you're, you're not getting around that. That's uh, true. But I do think this is an upgrade for that deck. I don't think it makes the deck, you know, hugely better, but the, that deck could, could also just use, like, reasonable standalone creatures so that when you don't drop Art Class, you still look like a reasonable Pioneer deck. I don't like maybe right. maybe this is a card you even want to play in. I guess it's yeah. I guess it's not it's not going to be good in any sort of uh, like burning a tree emissary aggro deck uh, unless you have a ton of other legends like Zerga or whatever. But maybe because it is just you know two mana three three or reasonable stats, and, and as long as you can take take some advantage off of that ability. I mean, uh, you're the one who is going all in on a Mox Ember earlier, right? If yeah, I maybe, maybe maybe we can be a, a gruel Mox Amber deck that. Those are hard to do. Um, it would have to be like nearly mono red because the the real goal is to be able to play Mox Amber, a one drop legend, and another one drop on turn one. So you need all your one drops to match the color of your legends. Sure. Uh, and Zergo is definitely better than the the green one drop that's available, which is Ovia. Um, but maybe you play Ovia too. I don't know. 
Uh, maybe wow. play some like artifact creatures as one drops, like Bomac Courier. I know how much you love Bomac Courier, your favorite card. Why? You're joking, right? Yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> you right, hate right. Bomac Courier. <laughs> I don't hate Bomac Courier. I just think people put it in the wrong deck. I, I think Bomac Courier is great for a deck that plays 20 burn spells, and it's pretty bad in a deck that plays 35 creatures. Okay. That's I, think that's I think it's great in the artifact aggro decks. Like, you know, it has haste, you can sag it to Shrapnel Blast, you can put a insole artifact on it, but okay. you know I I've I've misjudged you. You know. I just Sandy Dog just puts Bumat Courier in every deck, so <laughs> in his defense, you can play it off Burning Tree Emissary, and it's pretty cracky yeah. when you get to do that. But. That is that is the one of the things I've liked about it in uh I used to play it in a Tarka Red when I played that deck two years ago. But I, yeah. I really liked having that ability to you know, use the green mana off of Burning Tree more effectively. All right, to the artifacts. Hold on, hold on. We got one more, one more. I guess let's say two yeah, more of these gold more. cards. I think we are got cool. Eight more rares that are all. No, well, do, uh, you don't like Takasia and Constructed, the the Bant creature. I've never even seen it. So what, one in Bant colors for a four three human artificer. It says creatures you control have vigilance and to tap surveil one. Yeah, and then two and double Bant mana, so green, green, white, white, blue, blue. Exile Takasia from your graveyard. Return any number of target artifact cards with total mana value 10 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. That is obviously more like commandery, but just a four mana, four, three that gives your creatures vigilance and tap surveil one. So like you're you're going to be able to attack that turn and then, you know, surveil one, two, maybe three times. Uh, you know, maybe more if you're like a token deck and generate a lot of value immediately off of this card. So I kind of like that. Uh, I'm not really sure where it fits. It's like weirdly colored and, you know, uh, so I'd have to like, you know, do some digging on Scryfall to see, you know, what kind of stuff it does. But I kind of like uh, it. There is an archetype of card that's above my pay grade. Uh, I don't know how to, to talk about this card. It's too complicated. People will play it in Commander, and it will probably be the most fucked up Commander card of all time, or whatever. And I just, I don't know. You know what? It, yeah. Oh, all my creatures have Surveil one. That's really cool. Do I play that with the Demir Lightbug or whatever it's called? The Demir, the little guy. You know, probably not. But like, you could if you play black. Also, I don't know, man. I don't. I really don't know. Like, I don't know what to say. All yeah. my guys get mill one, basically. That's cool. Yeah. Whatever. Well, well, and then, uh, the, okay, there's two more gold cards I want to talk about. All right. One of them is Urza, Prince of Krug. So okay. two white, blue, two, three, legendary human artificer. Artifact creatures you control get plus two, plus two. And then pay six, create a token that's a copy of target artifact you control, except it's a one, one soldier creature in addition to its other types. So a, a little tempered steel action. Yeah, tempered steel tacked on to uh, a legend, but also just a mana sink for later in the game. Um, some people were talking about trying to do, like, go infinite with this without realizing that the creatures don't have haste, right? Like, yeah. You can't, like, make a, what is the Power Stone Shard? The one that's, like, if you control, it taps for a number of Power Stone Shards you control or whatever. Yeah. And that's just not what this does. Th this is just a, oh, we are late in the game. Um, I get to make, you know, a bunch of extra creatures. Yeah. That this is a curve topper slash mana sink. Yeah. And the my biggest problem with cards like this though is that again, outside of commander, 
there's just not a ton of mana generation in blue and white. You know, like, blue and white doesn't get to play stuff like Nykthos very easily, right? Especially artifact-themed stuff and rampant growth type effects or land war elves. And so really where you're going to see a card like the shine is in a deck that plays, you know, mana vaults and soul ring and <laughs> a million mana rocks. So yeah, it's going to be completely messed up in those decks, but I, I can't even think of a single deck that wants this card, to be honest. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a build around card. It's not a d- card that slots into something new, but yeah, you know, we got a lot of artifact creatures. We, we can power this out on turn three with Springleaf drum. Yeah, sure. Looks great. I'm 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 not sold on it, but I I wanted to get your opinion. I, I think I poo pooed this card last week or two weeks ago or whatever. You know what? I would rather accelerate with a Springleaf Drum and what I think more of those artifact decks and pioneers should play. What? I think that they should all play Wedding Announcement. You're just in love with Wedding Announcement, aren't you? It's a great card. It is it's a very good magic great. card. It's just good. Anyway. All right. Last gold card I want to talk about. This was previewed today, I believe, maybe last night, but Evangel of Synthesis. This is an uncommon, a blue and a black for a 2-3 Phyrexian Human Cleric. When it enters the battlefield, you can draw and discard a card, so loot. And then as long as you've drawn two or more cards this turn, Evangel of Synthesis has plus one, plus O, and Menace. So we've seen Rafine's Informant be a pretty solid constructed card as just, you know, a two-drop that loots. And it's either a 2-1 or a 3-2, depending on what you discard to the connive. This one is just a straight-up 2-3. All the time when you and you get the loot, uh, no matter what you discard, and then in a lot of decks, you're often going to have this be a three-three menace for two that looted, which to me seems pretty good and potentially very good in an Esper Grease Fang deck. Yeah, that's the thing, man. The white doesn't traditionally have loot effects. Like blue and black have a bunch, red has a bunch, but white has none. So Rafine's Informant is specifically good because you can play like Abzan Greasefang in Pioneer. But in, uh, I don't know, if, like, are people bringing back vehicles in Standard? I, I don't know what's even in Standard to bring back. I... My guess is nothing. Yeah, I don't or, think there's Or nothing relevant. So Greasefang is just like a historic slash explorer slash Pioneer card, right? And Evangel Synthesis specifically helps out in like an Esper build. And I think that that could be cool as an additional Rafine's Informant because the immediate loot to me and the power of being able to attack for three um, does both halves of the deck. You get to play the like aggressive two-drop heavy version against the really interactive mid-range or control decks or the combo decks. You just have this beatdown plan, but also just gives you another two-drop that helps consistency so you can more aggressively turn three the Grease Fang and, and bring something back. So in, in, in all of those situations, I think it's excellent. Um, I, I wouldn't really like to compare this to Rafine's Informant specifically because I think Abzan Greasefang, uh, having green with, for, for Grizzly Salvage and Seder Wayfinder and, and Witherbloom Command and all those like cyborg cards like Abrupt Decay is just, in my opinion, the superior color for consistency. And another loot effect out of blue is not something that I really care that much about uh, compared to the consistency that green offers. And uh, because of the colors of the deck, you just have to play black and white. So I think Rafine's Informant is just specifically unique because it's a white card that loots. And Evangel Synthesis is excellent. It's an excellent card, and it can definitely go in an Esper Greasefang deck, but I think it's going to be way better in just like Esper Beatdown, where it just fixes a draw early, and then as the game goes, you just play a couple cards and say draw a card, and then you start bashing for three with Menace, you know? Yeah. 
you just have some cantrips in your deck and and or you know you other creatures yeah. that cantrip. What about the just curving this with ether channel or just like turn to this, turn through ether channel or draw a card? Like if you don't need to bounce anything, like that's a pretty strong start. Yeah, that's sweet. That's the kind those are the kind of decks I want to play. I'm like yeah. beating you down, Look, but I'm also I drawing cards. Standard. I have to play standard for the Pro Tour or the uh the regional championship coming up in Anaheim. So I'm down, man. Whenever you fix your computer, maybe you can start streaming and we can play against each other. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Hashtag soon. Yeah. Okay, on to the artifacts. I think we're just going to go down the line here, if that's okay with you. Yeah. So starting with Platoon Dispensary, five mana, artifact creature construct. At the beginning of your end step, if you control two or more other creatures, draw a card. You can pay three and a white to create a 1-1 colorless artifact soldier creature token and has unearth for two white white. Uh, Notably, like, you know, you can unearth it and you'll get that end step trigger. So. Uh, a lot of potential card advantage here. Uh, this seems like a great mana sink for Power Stone tokens. And I like that they're making a lot of these artifact creatures that have colored unearth costs and colored activated abilities or colored prototype costs. Uh, so you can potentially put them into decks that are off of those colors and just use their normal modes. But yeah. you maximize them in decks with, you know, the that have those colors or have access to that mana you can potentially splash it like people did with scrap heap scrounger i know in a lot of decks um and, and things like that so uh there's just a lot of a lot more options in, in both limited and constructed when you design cards this way so i like that in general this card um seems kind of cool seems just kind of slow to me though it's a little slow i think the the trick is just you want to play this for five mana as a four six and draw a card like in a turn, you draw a card. It replaces itself. That's pretty good. I don't know. Or but, uh, you want to like play Rafine's Informant and discard this on turn two, and then play a three drop, and then unearth it on turn four, and attack for a bunch and draw a card. Yeah, I'm not as big on unearth as some people might be. Like, I think that Tenacious Underdog is good specifically because it's a three power, two drop in black that can block. And that's just not something that we've had too much of. And it's one of the reasons why Blood Tithe Harvester is also very good. Um, and uh, Unearth just is like the Blitz or whatever from, from yeah. Underdog. Un- Unearth yeah. is a perfectly fine ability, and it really works well with Kanai. So but I think we're going to see... Be- but it works way better in- with Enters the Battlefield stuff. And this, this you- it's like a slow draw. Like, this card is just very reminiscent to me of Tenacious Underdog, but just, like, very expensive. And obviously the abilities are different, but I mean, Unearth versus the Blitz from the Graveyard almost the same. Yeah, but you know, Underdog also works well with looting effects. People pitch it to uh, Fable the Mirror Breaker and things like that all the time. So yeah, I think this card can do something yeah. similar. Uh, obviously going to be much more of a standard card because it costs a lot of mana, but um, the fact that all these Unearth cards have that synergy, I think ju- just raises them in my mind. Sure. I'm looking for more things that are permanent when you can loot them away. I also don't think Rafine needs much help, man. That that card just kind of messed up. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> uh, one, one thing I'm really excited about with cards like this, like you brought up the splash or whatever, I think a lot of decks just would benefit from playing off-colored pathways and, and, and like a couple cards that are colorless that just have random activate abilities like this. So. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure we'll see that. I, I think that's really cool. I like that, you know, when people can do heads up things like that just to gain a little bit of of an edge. Yeah. 
Right, next up is Liberator Urza's Battlethopter. Probably my maybe favorite card name. name. Yeah, maybe the coolest thing. Yeah, uh, a three mana, one two legendary artifact creature Thopter has flash and flying. Says you may cast colorless spells and artifact spells as though they had flash. And whenever you cast a spell, if the amount of mana spent to cast that spell is greater than Liberator Urza Battlethopter's power, put a plus one plus one counter on Liberator. So. I, when I first read this card, I wasn't very impressed, and then I just thought, like, how many counters do you need to get on this card for it to be good? And is the answer one? <laughs> uh, maybe. I mean, a three mana, two, three flyer with flash is kind of cool. Uh, I don't know. This this is just a, a messed up card. Like, this just is breaking some rules of the game. Like, this is your uh, Teferi... Uh, what's the first one? The five mana one called? The blue, blue, blue two that made things have flash. Oh, Mage of Zalfir. Yeah, so this this is like a artifact to fairy Mage of Zalfir in the fact that like it just gives your artifact deck the ability to do something that it's never been able to do before. So just for that alone, I think this card is cool as hell. Yeah. Now, how to make it worthwhile? Uh pull a rabbit out of a hat, man. That's the same thing to me. I don't know, but the this card is cool and it's got a sweet name. And it's got good art, and I'm all in. This card's cool. Yeah, this is a card that you need to put some work in, but there's a lot of potential there. I mean, it has flying, too. So, like, you can just go EOT, three mana this, untap, play, like, Card in the Great Creator or whatever, minus, go get something, and then, like, attack for two, you know? And, like, you just have a two... It, you know, it's very fairies-esque. Yeah, and and because we've never really seen a lot of artifacts with flash, it's not clear how that really impacts you know what the other what those other cards do. So you're gonna have to go digging. It's a nightmare. It's a like, nightmare in Commander, man. I yeah. can't imagine having to try to play around every artifact that instant speed or whatever. <laughs> just 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 find cards that you know adding flash to makes them significantly better, and I'm sure there are some, but it's just gonna require some digging. Yeah. Next All up. Right, next up, Stasis Coffin. Three mana legendary artifact. Two taps uh, exile it. You gain protection from everything until your next turn. Until your next turn. That's a cool card. Yeah, it does a lot of, you know, it, it's a flashy effect. And I know people have talked about this as a Karn wish target. I don't see it. I think it's too expensive for that um, and for what it does. Because it, it this, is, this is the kind of effect that you would want the turn you cast Karn. But... There's no way you're gonna have five mana up the turn you cast Karn unless you're already like way ahead. Here's the problem. It doesn't protect Karn. It doesn't protect your planeswalkers. It's not yeah. actually fog. It's just prevent you from losing the game or whatever, right? Yeah. From an attack. Uh, also or true. Spells or whatever. And I think that there are gonna be plenty of like I think that most of the cyborgs that people build these days for, for Karn and Pioneer uh could easily cut one of them or a stasis coffin and you'll find a couple spots where it's good and it's so unique and so different than anything that we've had before that I could easily seeing it see it being like a hundred times better than we thought because when you're playing against like Monored or whatever, sometimes you play Karn and you only have like four or five mana lying around. And getting a stasis coffin and being able to pop it on on the turn where you're about to die is just incredible for a deck that is a ramp deck that can combo. You know, um, I guess I I, I don't 
I just don't think those scenarios are going to come up most of the time. And and in those scenarios, you're likely going to be able to find other cards that stabilize the battlefield or buy you the time you need. Like five mana is just really expensive. That's fair. All right, the next artifact is one that I think could be a good card target: Portal to Phyrexia. Uh, so for nine mana, it's an artifact. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices three creatures. That's already a pretty powerful effect for a Karn sideboard, I think. Um, at the beginning of your upkeep, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It's a Phyrexian in addition to its other types. So uh, one thing that I have trouble with lately with Karn is that sometimes you just like uh, can't combo because you only have the one Karn and a bunch of mana and like don't have Kiora and don't have like... You don't have the ability to go infinite sometimes. And something like Portal to Phyrexia seems like a perfect one of uh in the sideboard as like a I just need something really expensive to spend my mana on. I don't know, what do you think? You think that, if, that you, if that's the, just... the issue you're having, I think this is a good card to spend your mana on. Uh, um once again, I, I'm I, I don't know if that's you know what the issue that the card decks are having, uh especially Mono Green Devotion. This is a card that I'm interested in refurbishing. Oh that's what I want to do. That's a heater. <laughs> like, just just set up, set it up, and refurbish this card on turn four, and like win the game with it. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's sick, man. Because that, it, that's very Godfaro's gift esque. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, then you just don't have to fill your deck with a bunch of crappy creatures. Like, you can just be, uh, you know, like control deck basically that just has this with some like looting effects. Can you imagine just like? You know, you 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 pass with three man up, and your opponent's like, "Oh, they have a counter spell. Like, I'm gonna play something that's not as important or whatever." Uh, and then you just end a turn, thirst for knowledge, discard this, and refurbish it. Yeah, that's kind of cracked. Although <laughs> I don't think anyone plays thirst for knowledge anymore. Just saying. Well, like, obviously you would to to set up your combo, right? I don't know. Don't ask me. That, don't if you were me. like a pure control deck, maybe maybe you're instead more of a like a you know you could. Rafine's informant discard in the graveyard on turn two that way and be more yeah. of an aggro deck with it because yeah. then you because you probably want some creatures so that like you have creatures to return with it in like the control matchup um you know you, you'd probably have some other thing to refurbish in the control matchup I, I don't know this card just seems really powerful to reanimate and we have a four mana way to reanimate it I especially like that the creatures you bring back don't have that clause where they get exiled when your opponent kills them so they just like your opponent can't beat this card with spot removal just, oh, that's true. That's super cool. Good it's, just ne- it's just never going to happen. So I'm I'm in on this card, but I, I just I just want to refurbish it, not Karn for it. All right. Uh, next up, Urza Silex, three mana legendary artifact, two colorless and two white. Tap exile it. Each player chooses six lands they control. Destroy all other permanents. Activate only as a sorcery. So essentially, seven mana. Blow up all non lands except for six. Like. If someone has 20 lands in play, you get to blow up 14 of them. That's not going to happen too much in standard or anything. Uh, and then second ability is uh, when Urza Sox is put into exile from the battlefield, you may pay two if you do. Search your library for a Planeswalker card, reveal it, and put it into your hand, then shuffle. Uh, if it was two GG instead of two white white, this might be the most messed up Karn target in history. And... This card already is pretty darn good. Like, three mana, cast, next turn, four mana, blow up everything that's not land. That's pretty good. That, that, I don't know what to say. That's just a pretty decent effect, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I remember the, I'm trying to remember the days of Oblivion Ring, like, in Standard, or not, Oblivion Stone, 
And I do think that card saw some significant standard play, but that was, you know, 2004. Um, and since then, it's really only seen play in decks that, you know, can make a bunch of colorless mana, Tron, Tron decks, really. Um, so I don't really, I don't buy the idea of, like, you know, spending two turns to cast your sweeper, even a pretty powerful one. You know, we already have a card like Farewell that's seeing significant play in Pioneer that just costs six straight up and deals with most things. Um, there's there's also the, the issue of, like, sometimes you cast this when you have a Planeswalker out that you don't want to deal with. You'd rather play just a Creature Sweeper. Sure. So I'm I'm not a big fan, um, but it is a powerful card. All right. Next up. Before we get into these prototype cards, what do you think of the mechanic prototype in general? Oh, I think it's awesome. I uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot of difference between prototype and kicker. Like, if all these cards started with their colored cost, and then you could just kick them for the difference, and then they would just be bigger, I think that that would be really boring. But what they ended up doing was generating a lot of, like, kind of cool creatures that actually scale based on whether you prototype them or hardcast them. Some of them are good when they're blank. Some of them aren't. Uh, I, I honestly just think that they're all pretty sweet, and the one we're going to do first is my favorite. Yeah, uh, so I agree with you that the most interesting thing is the ones that have uh, an effect that scales with the creature's power, yeah. so that the effect gets better when you cast the main part of it, and it's worse when you do get take the prototype discount. They did a really good job of, um, of that, I, I think, in some of them. I really like that these are great mana sinks for Power Stone tokens, when, yep. you, when you can get the big mode of them. I think that, like... While it's functionally similar to Kicker, the way the prototype cards work is a way that wouldn't is not not something you'd be able to accomplish with Kicker because you can't just add a cost to the prototype cost to get to the regular cost. It also yeah. stops them from having a color, which I'm sure is like you know nice for commander players or whatever. So there's a lot of advantages with this templating See, relative to Kicker. I think it's great that they have a color when you prototype them. I think that that actually adds a bit of. Uh, yeah. Dynamic D- does that like, does that give them a color identity for commander? Yeah, it does. It says you may cast this spell with different mana cost, no. color, and size. Yeah, it, it, the, I'm saying does that does that mean like oh, you know arcane oh. proxy can only go in blue commander decks? I would assume so. Okay, I I don't know if that's you know can can I put it in my colorless if commander you, deck and just I don't I I don't play commander, but yeah, I, from my understanding, the color identity thing in commander is if there's a mana symbol on the card, it can only be played in decks that okay. have that mana symbol. But it's a mana symbol that's in the rules box. Yeah, I don't know. Um, no, but I guess... that counts though, because Golos is a five color commander, even though it's an artifact. Okay, it got, it got banned or whatever. But yeah. Still okay, that's a, that that I think that pretty well clears so it up. That, that's not... a little disappointing to me, but I also hate commander, no. so who cares? But okay, yeah, well, I... don't say stuff like that. You're gonna get canceled. Mm, well, I say it all the time. I'm actively that's... hostile towards commander. Okay, that's Damn, uh... <laughs> arcane proxy seven mana four three. Uh, it has prototype for. Uh, Blue, blue, one for two, one, right? Uh, yeah. The ability is when Arcane Proxy enters the battlefield, if you cast it, exile target instant or sorcery card with mana value less than or equal to Arcane Power or Arcane Proxy's power from your graveyard. Copy that card. You may cast the car copy without paying its mana cost. So what this card essentially does, it's either Snapcaster Mage or Torrential Gearhulk at sorcery speed. Um, but for three I, mana, you I would can say play more Goblin Dark card. Dwellers, but. I guess sure, you want the blue. It could be mini goblin dark dwellers. Yeah. Like that's fine. It's but that's basically what it is. Just mini goblin dark dwellers or goblin dark dwellers for seven. Yeah. And um but I really like the fact that for three mana, you get to flashback a two mana spell. 
And if you have anything that buffs your creatures as a static effect, you know that the, the, the ability can scale. And as we've seen, there's like quite a few anthems. You know, there's the Sahili that gives everything plus one plus one if it's ultimated. So like you could just prototype on three mana and then like play a three mana card out of the graveyard. I don't know what that would be, but you get it. Yeah, no, th this is my favorite one as well. I think it does a lot of cool things. Being able to go like, two mana, removal spell on your creature next turn, play this, play the removal spell again on your next creature yep. uh, is awesome. Being able to play like the, the Demir creature we mentioned earlier that loots and then set up something proactive with this on turn three that awesome. probably draws a card and lets you attack for three as well is really cool. Um, and then obviously, like, you know, you, you can reasonably get to seven a lot of the time and then cast, you know, Urza's Command or something significantly more powerful. So um, I'm a big fan of this card. I think it does a lot of good things and we'll see significant play uh, in standard, at least not a sold on it in Pioneer. The way the Snapcaster Mage was always built was to make Snapcaster Mage a good three mana card or a good two mana card. Back when we had Gutshot, Middle Misstep in standard, uh, Taxi Probe in standard and, and modern and stuff. And uh, But after uh, a lot of those cards got banned or the format changed, Snapcaster Mage was a three mana card. And so for me, Arcane Proxy is just extremely similar. Like I'm going to build my deck in almost the exact same way to utilize Arcane Proxy than I would Snapcaster Mage. And I've been kind of chomping at the bit for a Snapcaster Mage reprint for, for Pioneer. So this is hitting my buttons all over the place, and I'm very excited. Like, just casting a Thought Seize off of it's great. Uh, something like, is it Charms? Awesome. You can counter something on two and then play it and kill a creature on three or loot on three. Like, there's just so much crap you can do with Arcane Proxy that's just so sick. And if you at home are building with this card, you don't need to go, like, super overboard with a bunch of different spells with it, but you do want, you know... A, some mix of reactive spells to cast with it that can, you know, interact with your opponent, and then something proactive so that you can cast this card even on a blank board, battlefield, you know, so, some sort of yeah. draw spell or cantrip to go you with it. You don't want this with Sensor. You want this with Thoughtseize. Yeah, obviously it doesn't go well with counter spells, but, like, you want, like, you don't you don't want to play this with just removal spells to target, because then when you're playing against control, it's not going to be good, and when you, like, right. draw on a dry board, it's not going to be good. Uh, but you also it's don't. It's also wizard for wizard's lightning. I just noticed. Holy crap! That might be great. <laughs> well, it's a wizard. It's an artifact wizard. I love it. Un unfortunately, at, at three mana, it can't recast wizard's lightning. But shut your mouth. Just wait till I hit seven mana. I'm a wrong. <laughs> yeah, Todd's got, Todd's going off with the wizards, but I, I I do like this card. Definitely a card that I expect to see play. All right, let's speed it up because uh, there's a lot to get through. Yeah. Um, Clay Champion, we talked about last week. This is X and 4 for a 2 2. Enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters for each green green spent to cast it. And when it enters the battlefield, choose up to two other target creatures you control. And for each white white spent to cast it, put a plus one plus one counter on each of them. I'm like cautiously optimistic about this card. You know, it gets really big, it can just be a four mana 8 8. I'm put, I don't know about you. I'm putting one of these in my card sideboard. I know I keep saying that, but I'm legit like a four mana eight eight is enormous. And I have four mana with Karn and like nothing great to do all the time. And it's so much better than that. Like, you know, I was talking about the nine mana card earlier. Like play champion is something you can can go grab and then just make a twenty twenty or whatever. Like it's just Yeah. It, it gets really big. And uh, But it's also just very efficient, which I like. You know, Stone Coil Serpent, not that efficient, but does something similar, just being a big thing. Uh, I'm excited that this card can just go in two extremely different decks. You know, your your white when you aggro decks in standard can just play a four mana two two that just double buffs two different creatures. Yeah, just I think that that's travel sick. prep and and flashback. 
Yeah. Along with the two, two for four. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I love the versatility of it. And that's part of why I think the card is good. Like none of the, if they just printed a four mana eight, eight, like green, 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 eight, eight, it probably wouldn't be that good. But yeah, this card scales. Good. It does other things if you have white mana. So like when you combine all of the different things it can do, I, I'm, I'm kind of into it. All right. Next one, though, is one that I love. love. Is that Skitter Beam Battalion? Skitter Beam Battalion. Nine mana to cast artifact creature construct. Prototype for three red red. When you prototype it, it's a 2-2. Two, two, otherwise, it's a 4-4. Four, four. It has trample and haste. And when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, create two tokens that are copies of it. So five mana, you get three 2-2s two, with trample and haste. That's, like, pretty cool. You can do some really you know, egregious stuff with something that generates multiple bodies. I remember Precursor Golem when we were playing Mirrodin uh, block construct, like Scars of Mirrodin block constructed. Precursor Golem was like actively good sometimes and had the huge downside of all three of the tokens died to one electrostatic bolt or whatever. And this doesn't really have that downside. The things have haste, and but five mana for three tutus with haste trample is kind of cool. And there's so many ways that you can abuse that, you know, just getting extra artifacts in general is, is nice. Um, you know, the fact that, like, you can just kick it off for nine mana uh, with a bunch of Power Stone tokens is cool. I, I just love everything about it. I think it's perfect perfect for flavoring, too. You know, it's just a bunch of little guys just pooping out, just, like, just running at you. I'm a, I'm not a big fan of this card. I think the, the prototype mode is not a good standalone card. Just five mana for three, two, two pace tramplers. So you need you something learn. to go with it to make it good, and that automatically kind of turns me off because I don't think if, if I'm going out of my way to build kind of these synergies, one, I usually want to do it with cards that are good as standalone so that if my synergy is broken up, my deck is still good. This is reasonable enough there, but I also just don't think the synergies that are going to go with it are going to be powerful enough. Like maybe if you're a Jeskai deck and you curve four mana Urza into this and you've got Five mana for three, four, four power, you know, trample haste. But Urza is your curve topper in most of those decks. So, um, you know, you've untapped with your powerful four drop. That that should be good enough. So I'm not really high on this card, but maybe there's some synergy out there that makes it worthwhile. Yeah, I have no idea if it's actually good or not, but I just think it's cool as shit. I love it. Next up is a Phyrexian Flesh Gorger. This is the seven mana, seven, five menace lifelink with ward pay life equal to its power. And as prototype for one black black is a three three, pretty reasonable aggressive creature, but like significantly worse than like graveyard trespasser as a three drop, and I think that's a problem. So I do think that it's worse than graveyard trespasser, but there's a lot of space between graveyard trespasser and good. You know, uh, like yeah. graveyard trespasser is incredible. And you, you can't play card... that many three drops though, and it's going to be competing with any deck that wants to play it with graveyard oh, trespasser. I agree. I agree. And, and like that, that is the only real problem that I see with the card is that it's just competing with Graveyard Trespasser. But everything else on it just screams like this card's great. So I don't know. Um, I try not to fault cards specifically for sitting on top of other cards. That's just kind of how magic cards are designed these days. And, yeah. The, you know, the one benefit to all these prototype cards is off. that they are artifacts, regardless of which part of, part of them you cast. If you cast prototype, they're still artifacts. So if your deck is generating artifacts energies, you know, that's automatically a plus for Flesh Gorger over a Trespasser. Yeah. But, like, Lifelink Menace for 3-3 three, three for 3. Like, if it were literally just 3-mana, three 3-3 three, three, Menace Lifelink, that would be better on rate than, like, most black creatures that's ever been printed. 
And the fact that it also has ward where your opponent has to take a bunch of damage to kill it. I, I don't know, man. Like, this card might just be great. Like, just my a three mana, three, three minutes lifelink is just impossible to race. If you kill it, you're just like taking extra damage. Like, obviously, it's it's really fighting with a trespasser in, in a couple yeah, of formats. Which is for also very really good in racing scenarios. Right. But it gains way less life. I know it's it's very similar. It, I I honestly just kind of wish Graveyard Trespasser didn't exist because it's so much better on rate than so much stuff. Yeah, it is a, just a very very good card. Uh, next All up, right. we've got Surge Engine. Two, I haven't seen this one. Two mana, three two construct with Defender. You can pay a blue to have it lose Defender and gain this creature can't be blocked. You uh, nice. keep in mind that that is permanent. You can pay two and a blue, and it becomes a blue and has base power and toughness five four. Activate only if it doesn't have Defender. And then four blue-blue, draw three cards, activate only if Surge Engine is blue and only once. So another card in okay. this kind of Evolved Sleeper, uh, Warden of the First Tree, Figure of Destiny mode. Yeah. And I think this one's pretty sweet. The fact that you can just play it as a two-drop and trade off and not have to invest any mana into it, and it's still reasonably sized. But if your opponent like doesn't want to trade with it, you know... You can then you know act hold mana up as a blue deck, activate on the end step, get aggressive with it. So I, I think this card plays well in control decks, to where you can use it defensively against aggro and use it very offensively against you know in control or mid range mirrors. I like the way it curves. You can cast it on two, activate it, and start attacking on three while holding up a two mana counter spell. Um, so I, I like this card. Maybe it doesn't find a home, but I hope it does. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. It's like very close to playable, but the fact that it dies a stomp is kind of a non starter to me. <laughs> yeah, fucking stomp. There's a card I wish yeah. didn't exist. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? They got to <laughs> print good cards. Yeah, but I hate it when those good cards create such a check on the format, and like Bone Crusher is just. It's hard to play two drops that die to Bone Crusher and Pioneer. All right, next up we got Autonomous Assembler, five mana prototype creature. It's a 4-5 with Vigilance. One tap, put a plus one, plus one counter on target assembly worker you control. Uh, it itself is assembly worker. So for two mana, you get a 2-2 two, two prototype Vigilance with the ability to one tap, put a counter on itself. So that's kind of sweet. It doesn't say another target assembly worker. So you have this uh, two mana, 2-2 two, two Vigilance that every turn you can spend one to put a counter on it while it's attacking. I think that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I think in any in a sort of artifact centric aggressive deck, this card slots in pretty nicely. Yeah. All right. Next up is a different language card. <laughs> this is the like scrap heap scrounger card, blade whip right. transmogrant. Yeah, so, not a hundred percent that that's the, what it's actually called. But... Yeah, it's a uh, two mana three one artifact creature zombie. It can't block, and you can pay four black black to return it from the graveyard to the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it. And this ability costs four less to activate if an opponent controls four or more non-basic lands. This card's incredible. It seems pretty cool to me. I think your this opponents are going to have non-basic lands a lot. In every format, even like Monogreen Devotion, like sometimes just draws the Beseju and Nykthos and Lair of the Hydros. Like, <laughs> it's not always or whatever, but like sometimes this card's incredible. I, I don't really know what else to say. Like, it's just going to come back forever against everyone, unless it gets exiled. Yeah. This is like another one of those, you have to exile it, or it's just going to beat you to death. Oh. And it's so efficient to come back. Like, Scrap Heap Scrounger, you just kill, like, everything else besides Scrap Heap Scrounger, you know? And then it just kind of validates the ability. 
This is like similar where they just can't kill this, right? Without it just immediately punishing them for very cheap. I, I agree. I like it. I think it's, you know, in the mix as a two drop for mono black aggro uh, and pioneer and hopefully I wish it scaled. I wish it was minus one for each non basic they controlled. Yeah. The fact that they need four for it to be full powered is kind of a bummer, but But like you are usually not returning that those cards until turn five or six anyway, right? Like you had yeah. usually have things to do for the first four turns of the game as an aggro deck, I would hope. Alright, next up Persistent Behemoth. Five mana artifact creature beast. You may play land cards from your graveyard. That's kind of cool. And then Unearth GG, and it's a 2-7. This card seems like uh, not for me. Yeah, um, I think this is a card that you're actively going to want to like put in your graveyard, because then you can just unearth it, get a land from your graveyard that could be relevant. It, yeah. I think this is a card that's going to end up doing a lot of weird things that you miss on the surface, as opposed to just being a like you know crucible of worlds yeah I'm not, that's fair I, I i really don't know where it goes but i like it i mean i like it too it's very interesting the the very cheap unearth is sweet um and uh playing line from the graveyard's neato man like yeah i don't know I, I like i like these unearth creatures that generate some value when you unearth them as opposed to just being Same. you know the one shot like that white creature that w that we did first you know drawing a card this effectively draws a card but it's in the form of making a land drop I'm I'm in, I'm in for cards like that. Marginal value, mana sinks, reasonably costed, aggressive threats, at least most of them. This one not so much, but the rest of them really. I'm I'm in for all of that stuff. Alright, so the last of the prototype cycle from what I can see. Uh Steel Seraph, six mana, five four flyer. At the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature you control gains your choice of flying, vigilance, or lifelink until end of turn. Um, it has prototype for white, white, and one for a three, three. So for three mana, you get a three, three flyer. And then on combat on your turn, something gets flying vigilance or lifelink. So makes racing very difficult. But the six mana five, four, that's not unattainable and just like a normal aggro deck. So I like that this has a pretty well-rounded split cost. Yeah, because this is a card that you're going to want to put in aggressive decks, you know, have one and two drops. So you have a creature out and you, that you can target immediately. And six is, I agree, very attainable. I, I like this card quite a bit for wide aggressive yeah. decks. The one issue is that like, isn't a soldier and isn't a human, so it like, doesn't really fit with the powerful wide aggressive decks that we know are going to exist in Standard and Pioneer. Sure. But maybe an artifact-centric deck, you know? Maybe this goes in like the, the Michigos' Reign of Truth deck, because then you just like pump a creature and give it lifelink. Ooh. Yeah, that's cool. The pumping and lifelink's pretty sweet. I, I love Michigo's Ring yeah, of Truth. So or, or pump a creature and give it flying, you know? You really don't gotta pump, you know, push too hard to get me to play that card. Yeah, I'm 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 in I'm in for the Steel Seraph. Hope it finds a home. Next up we got Simeon Simulacrum. This is a three mana two one ape uh, artifact creature. When it enters the battlefield, put two plus one plus one counters on target creature you control and has unearth two GG. I'm a I'm a big fan of this creature. Honestly, like, I could see this seeing play in, you know, like, the Gruul aggro decks in, in Pioneer. A little awkward for them because they're all playing, like, Lovestruck Beast and Bone Crusher. So I don't know if you have room for another three drop. Um, but I like that this is just a baseline three mana four three, but yeah. you have a lot more options with it. And then once again, as an unearthed creature that generates value, um, I love this card. Some of the builds have been moving towards uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and I think that this card pairs really nicely with that because you can just discard it and then unearth it later to get value out of it. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, it allows you to 
buff a, a Lenor Elves on the turn you cast it so you can like actually put pressure on like a Planeswalker or deal some damage. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm into this card. It's it's cool. It's it's not a splashy rare, but it's but it's certainly sweet. I, I like it. Yeah, this is a, this is a good salt of the earth kind of rare. All right, next up, Teresian Mindbreaker. This is a seven mana six four artifact juggernaut. Uh, whenever it attacks, defending player mills half their library. Round it up. So that means if you attack twice with it, they lose, right? That is not how that works. Oh, what? Zeno's paradox. I can't do math. All right, uh, it has unearth for one blue, blue, blue. This is a uh, super Timmy card. You know, the unearth mill half your deck is like kind of sweet. Yeah. Um, this card is completely unplayable. Uh, completely agree. <laughs> and it's a juggernaut that can be blocked by walls. What the hell? Yeah, no kidding. And also, it doesn't have to attack every turn. That's a flavor. Yeah, fl- complete flavor fail. They just put too much text on this card and <laughs> forgot the the soul. They lost yeah. the soul of the juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, next up, Thran Spider, three man artifact creature. Spider has reach two four. Uh, when Thran Spider enters the battlefield, you and target opponent each create a tapped Power Stone token. So if your deck can utilize Power Stones better than your opponent, then that's great. And one thing you can use the Power Stone on is its second ability. Look at the top four cards of your library for seven mana. You may reveal an artifact card from among them and put it into your hand and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So I expected that to say put it onto the battlefield. The fact that it doesn't means that they probably said that at some point and it was too good. <laughs> and so they had to change it. Uh, um, maybe this you're... card is pretty sweet, but it's very expensive. It's yeah. a good Power Stone like outlet, though, you know? Reasonable. I, I just have a natural aversion to any cards that give my opponent free things. Even... Ah, you're one of those guys. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I don't like it. I know we're entering the season for giving, but uh, I, not, a, not at the magic table. That's... So I'm off it. All right. A couple more rares to get through. We got the Stone Brain. Two mana yeah. legendary artifact. Two tap, exile the Stone Brain. Choose a card name. Search target opponent's graveyard hand and library for up to four cards with that name and exile them. That player shuffles, then draws a card for each card exiled from their hand this way. Activate only as a sorcery. Um, this seems like the great Karn target. You know, one of the ways that people have tried to beat green aggro decks is with combo decks like um, Indomitable Lotus. Creativity for World Spine Worm and Xenogod or L- Lotus Field decks. And you can actually name Lotus Field if they haven't, you know, put one onto the battlefield yet. You could name Thespian Sage, like you, you can name lands. Uh, you could even name Basic Lands, uh, though you I can only take four of them. Hidden Strings is the, the best name. Yeah. It's like very hard for them to generate mana without Hidden Strings. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Like whatever you think is best. Like the fact that you now have a great Karn target for those combo decks is yeah. a a boon to Mono Green Devotion for sure. Yeah, it's also the coolest named card in the whole set. Uh, I think the 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 Thopt Battle Thopter might be better. Yeah, what's the full name of the Battle Thopter? Um, Liberator Urza's Battle Thopter. Damn it! You're too. You have too good of a memory. Because oh. I didn't even remember the name oh, of it. Or I only have to scroll up three rows of cards to see it. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Uh, I, I do think... So I, I played a lot of... Uh, I played Magic for like a long, long time. And when I first started, Jester's Cap was randomly a card that people were super into. Um, because, you know, that was back in the days where Control decks would play like one Morphling, one Stroke of Genius or whatever as like their kill conditions. And... Uh, and people would just Jester's Cap and win the game on the spot. And so the, it had, like, that huge adrenaline, you know, a dopamine boost when you'd cast it. 
And and since then, people have basically tried to recreate that feeling with cranial extraction and uh, all of the variants of cranial extraction that have existed for the last 15 years. And the stone brain is just another in the long line, but this is A, the first one that's an artifact, and B, the one that you can get with Karn so that it's not in your main deck. Because the worst place for those cards to be is in your fucking deck. Because they're so bad all the time. People cast them so often against decks that they don't do anything against. Do you know how often I've gotten surgical extraction for, like, my tropical islands? Yeah, it's... Do you know how many times that's happened? It's a, it's a problem. Y'all gotta stop. Gotta stop it with the over-sideboarding of these extraction effects. Yeah, but now they don't have to because you can just... Play one for your Karn, and then you just brain people. I mean, brain you. You know, in Karn deck, sure. How, but Karn how much fun is that going to be to say? That Karn brain already you. saved people from themselves by stopping them from sideboarding. That's true. <laughs> so, you know, it, I wonder it's, if that's why my win percentage in Pioneer is down because people just don't have to sideboard anymore. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I love Stone Brain. Cool name. Uh, great card for the effect. Reasonable price. Four mana total. Okay, well, one last artifact to get through, and I've got two more cards after this I want to talk about. Right. So we've got Transmogrant's Crown, two-mana artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus zero. Whenever equipped creature dies, draw a card, and it has a equip cost of either two colorless or two generic, or black, one black mana. So reminiscent of Skull Clamp, of course, which was banned in uh, almost yes. every format. Yeah, reminiscence is certainly the word I would use. Yes, uh, and much, 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 much worse. That said, you know, in, a, in a black aggro deck, you know, three mana to equip to a creature, get plus two, plus oh, and then, you know, punish them when they try to remove it? Maybe? This, okay, first of all, this feels pushed. Like, it feels, like, very close to being great. Uh, but it also is leading me to the question... Um, what could they do to Skull Clamp to make it playable and not broken? And I'm kind of thinking that a one mana Skull Clamp, like so let's, let's say this uh, Transmogrant's Crown costs one mana to cast. Let's say that it costs one mana to cast and one black to equip or two generic to equip. Uh, I still don't know that it would be good enough to play. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Equipment is just like an outdated card type i think yeah a lot of the power of skull clamp is just how efficient it is you know anytime you're impact you're negatively impacting your battlefield <laughs> to draw cards like you need to do it cheaply um yeah. and like skull clamp was just a you know skull clamp is a bit of a combo card this is much more of just an aggro card i'm putting it in my aggro right. deck um uh, using it to apply pressure basically like a three power or a three mana two power haste creature right that insulates me from removal and s- certain sweepers uh, and you know maybe maybe you can put this into a sort of sacrifice deck that and let your sacrifice deck get more aggressive, but you can also start drawing extra cards with it proactively. I don't know, but I, I the, the, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent off this card. It, it's certainly not skull clamp, but it's not bad. Uh, okay, I I don't think it'll ever see constructed play. That's my line. I would not be surprised if it didn't, but I I don't think it's a I, I, it's yeah, it's not a, it's not zero percent or whatever. Yeah, it's like, not a zero. So I, I also um, what's the the weather light corrupted or whatever it's called? Like the two mana one that's um, 
I don't remember. Yeah. But so that one goes into like sacrifice decks. Whenever you sack something, you can put a Phyresis counter on it or whatever. And then when it gets five Phyresis counters on it, it starts doing like cool stuff. Um, that is the type of card that Transmogger's Crown reminds me of. But the strength of of the of the Weatherlight card is that it just doesn't cost mana to activate. And all the equipment just costs mana to activate. And whenever you see the equipment being good in any format, they do not cost mana to activate because they all generate a germ to equip to them. Or you have uh, spikes like super cheesy one with uh, the one one that lets yeah. all your equipment be free. Or you have, you know, Embercleave that automatically attaches. Yeah, or uh, Colossus Hammer that automatically attaches. Yeah, because it's or... a guard is aid. Yeah, yeah. Or, or it was sort of Feast and Famine that immediately gave you your mana back. Right. <laughs> when you untap your... Yeah, that that has been an important part of equipment being playable. But this also only costs one to equip, so it's, it's, yeah. it's as close it's... as you can get. It's very close. It's certainly not playable outside it's, of a deck that can equip it for black. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm assuming the last couple you want to talk about are lands, yeah? The, so I've got, I've got one land and one non-land. The land I want to talk about is Hall of Tagsin. This is a land that taps for colorless, has one tap, add one mana of any color, so like Shimmering Grotto, and I think there's a couple other functional reprints of Shimmering Grotto. And then four tap, create a tapped Power Stone token. Uh, what, what do you think of this card, Todd? I think that the strength of this card will directly depend on how good we figure out Power Stones are. Like, imagine that instead of Power Stone, it said Food Token. You know? Essentially, that's what it does, except Food Tokens had, you know, Gilded Goose or Oko or uh, Trail trail Mysteries to, to work or trail, trail crumbs to work with. Yeah. And so it's literally just, can we find enough ways to use the Power Stone mana? And I think that this card could be pretty good. Like most of the artifact decks are going to be mono-ish color with like a one or two color splash. And I think that that's like a perfect style of deck for a uh, filter lant because you're going to be tapping it for colorless most of the time. But sometimes in a pinch, you just need an extra colored mana to play a portable hole or something. And it does exactly that. Um, and then later in the game, you know, you start generating these just like raw permanents to do stuff and, I, but I honestly just have no idea how powerful making a power stone is. But I think if you were making a food token, it would be pretty good and m- might have seen play if back in the old standard format with a bunch of food stuff. Yeah. Um, so on on last week's show, I mentioned to Tannen that because of all of these you know prototype costs and unearth costs on artifact creatures, I was hoping there would be an easy way to splash these in limited. So I, was ho- I literally said like a land like Shimmer and Grotto would be great for this set. I'm a little disappointed to see that land in a rare slot, so it's not going to come up in limited very often. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I'm with you. I'm not sure how to evaluate the like make a power stone token. And obviously, like the more power stone tokens you make, the easier this is to activate for more power stone tokens. Like power stone tokens are very much a. I think you really have to commit to them because they snowball so well with each other because you create all of these, you know. Uh, you have all these mana sinks for them, and the more power stones you make, the more you know mana that you have to spend on these mana sinks. And so, yeah. I, I kind of like the card because I, I want to see. I like that this card exists because it's a great card for a deck that is going all in on power stones, and I want to mm-hmm. see how a deck like that works. No, me too. I, I just you know I feel like uh, the cards need to do something and generate a power stone because making a power stone is kind of weak. 
four tap a land make it power stone feels like a luxury that we do not have anymore in magic the, this land this land also does something in that it's just a land that taps for a colorless early and you can use power stones to start making it a five color land right like a single power stone and now you've got this five color land um that's working and then once you make a few power stones it's not four tap make another one it's one tap make another one or tap make another one so i think we've got to look at the when we look at these activated abilities in this set they all look really high and i think that's on purpose because they're expecting us to have a lot of power stones in play so they're going to yep. play out much cheaper than they look all right before you get to your last card i want to talk about a couple of reprints that i'm that i am excited for for pioneer so Carplusion Force got printed in the last set and has made a huge impact on the format and a couple of different decks. Uh, Brushland is also new to Pioneer and yeah. I think we'll do something very similar. That's, for that's the Painland land that is definitely the most impactful for Pioneer from yeah. this set of them. Underground River also going to be reprinted. Uh, could make for like a good Delver Black Blue Aggro deck or something. I'm not sure yet, but all the allied colors getting a Painland I think is uh, important because it allows for a more aggressive curve yeah and when you can be more aggressive with your curve you can just have more dynamic builds of of decks within a two color combination yeah, i've always said that the mana in a format is what defines the bounds of what is possible and then you have the your goal is to you know find the most powerful things and maximize the potential of the cards within those bounds and so i always like it when formats have you know good mana fixing to expand those um ross you ready for this though what turn one brushland elf right you ready for this turn two wedding announcement Boom. <laughs> i'm i'm not elfing into a wedding announcement i'm sorry do you not like turning your el why not that's like the perfect thing to to elf into are you kidding me you immediately get another creature if they don't do anything you can attack and draw a card next turn if, or uh if it flips, your elves become viable instead of trash, and you can maybe play like a token theme. Like green white tokens could just be a deck now because of Brushland. Maybe in a in a token shell, sure, and then, then yeah. we can play. Oh, March of the Multitudes. That's the Convoke token spell. Ah, yeah, yeah, I forgot the name. Finally, All right, yeah. what's your last card? It is Soul Partition, the removal That's spell. Good. One and a white instant exile target non-land permanent for as long as that card remains exiled. Its owner may play it. A spell cast by an opponent this way costs two more to cast. All right, I need you to explain to me why you think this card's good. I think this card is great, because I think aggressive decks are strong enough that just delaying a card for two turns is good enough. And one of my issues with especially White Aggro and Pioneer is that none of the removal is flexible enough that it handles all of your problem cards. Like, there's just no card that is good against Old Growth Troll, uh, Kalidus, Shieldred, and um, Grease Fang. Yeah. You know, and this card, you know, cleanly answers all of them. It gives you enough time to set up and you can, the other thing I like about it, especially in an aggressive deck is you can target your own thing in response to their removal spell and your recasting doesn't have that tax. It's only spells cast by an opponent this way. So you, yeah. you know, it's got that like Pognify kind of thing. Not quite as good because you do have to spend the mana to recast the spell. But if it's a creature like Brutal Cathar or Thalia's Lieutenant that has an ETB effect, you can get extra value out of them that way. So I think this card is great, and I am immediately slotting them into the, the sideboard of my white aggro deck and Pioneer. Sure. I mean, I, I think those are all good points. Um, I have been a big fan of Declaration Stone in those decks. I think that Exiling Old Growth Troll is great. I think that if you're trying to do something like that against specifically Mono Green, um, they're going to be able to recast it most of the time on the next turn. 
And if you're spending a turn to play Soul Partition, you know, you're not really advancing your board that much, so you already need, like, a an established board position. Um, I don't know. I, I think you, you make good points. I, I think I might just rather play Skyclave Apparition, though, in most of those scenarios. I mean, Skyclave... Uh... Skyclave does not effectively answer Greasefang. Greasefang is the big one. Like you need an instant against that card. Sure. And Greasefang is a problem matchup for the yeah. the white deck, and you can't just like overload on Rest in Peace or on Licensers or anything because of Witherbloom Command. No, all true. I mean, I got not, that's why I was playing Sun Gold sitting on one of my builds in like high numbers, but because they, a lot of times they don't like instant speed put stuff in the graveyard. But well, they do have Grizzly Salvage. Saying. I know they have grizzly. Look, there's corner cases for everything. Yeah, you know. But this one is matter. it gets you it gets you out of that by 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 turn five. I mean, kind of, you have to hold up two man every turn. That's so hard to do against Grease Fang. I, I don't think so. All right, that's fine. I'm I'm a big fan. I just I haven't heard people talk about that card much, so I, I wanted to shout it out. So uh, I think that's gonna end us for today. I know we didn't get to everything, but there's a lot of cards. Um, if there is a card that you would like. Tannen and I to talk about next week since Tannen will be back. Uh, just let us know in the Discord, and and we'll make sure to talk about some of those because I'm by next week we should have the entire set. So Tannen and I will likely do our our top eight lists uh, next week. Um, so we'll spend most of the show doing that, but we'll we'll be happy to talk about some individual cards if if uh, some of y'all out there specifically want to hear about them. So yeah, just let us know in the in the Discord, um, um, in I don't know like the general channel or wherever. Uh, we'll find it, and um, <laughs> I'll probably just make a post in the Discord for this purpose, so that they're all kind of, uh, you know, there. Maybe you just make a separate channel temporarily or whatever. Uh, but yeah, uh, please do that. Um, Todd, thanks for uh, for being here today. Before we end, though, I want to I want to hear two things. I want to hear okay. one: what is your favorite card in the set so far? Just personal favorite for any reason, and then two. What what do you think is the best card previewed thus far? Um, let's say best okay. card for Pioneer specifically, since you're the Pioneer guy. That's tough. So be- best card for Pioneer um, has to be Brushland. I, I think that uh, I think that Carplusion Forest just has this um, uh, incalculable strength, like addition to the format that like we're not going to see how much it's going to impact it for a couple of years. Like it's just going to make every red and two, three drop they ever make significantly better. And I think the same is true now with Brushland and Tuna White cards. And it's a space that's relatively unexplored in, in the format. So whenever that happens, like a new dual land gets printed, I just get to experiment for a couple of days with a new dual land to see if it's any good or see what we can really stretch the mana base to do. And the green ones are specifically good just because of Llanowar Elves, and that strength of acceleration is just so powerful in the format. So I think Brushland's probably going to be the best one. Non-reprint, though, um, I'm going to have to go with my man Third Path Iconoclast. I, I, I want to just do some really dirty stuff with it. I just want to play 8 Young Pyromancer. Um, you know, I want my opponents to just be shaking in their boots whenever I hit my second land drop, you know? And I think that having two different creatures and Ledger Shredder all be able to do that, it allows you to actually build like a mid-rangey Izzet deck where you just have three insane two drops to leverage all your card draw around, to leverage all your removal around. And uh, I think that that's pretty sweet. And then my my favorite card in the set overall, I think, is probably going to be... 
man, it's tough. I, I think it's going to be Brotherhood's End. I I just love the the fact that they made a three mana Shatterstorm. You know, it's it's like small or whatever, but uh, three mana to have two just absurd sideboard effects is just so sweet. And I love cards that just depict like major events in Magic's lore. And Brotherhood's End just kind of hits all the nails on the head. You know. Okay. Cool. Good. Good choices. Good choices. Um. For my favorite card, I'm torn between Arcane Proxy and Simeon Simulacrum. Um, <laughs> okay. I think just in terms of favorite, I, I, I like Simeon Simulacrum as a card. This is just the exact kind of aggressive card I love playing. <laughs> so yeah. my favorite is Simulacrum. I'm, I'm going to go a little off the wall for what I think the best card for Pioneer is. This is actually a card that we didn't talk about today um, because it's an uncommon and it's Obliterating Bolt. This is the... Oh, the yeah. lava coil that can also Whatever. go to planeswalkers. I think having a main deckable lava coil in this format is awesome, and I think it's going to have a pretty significant impact and really help out red decks. I um, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but I despise when they make cards that are strict strict upgrades to cards that are not only good but heavily played. And Lava Coil, until they made Shieldred, was heavily played in the sideboard as a three or a four of in almost every single red deck. And some of the Gruul Love Boat decks, the like Sky Sovereign Love, Love Stroke Beast decks, have been playing Lava Coil main deck instead of Strangle already. Yeah. And so now that, and like making a strip upgrade if a card is bad is fine. Making a strip upgrade on a card that is good to me is just kind of like. Spinning in the face of history, you know. Like I, I don't, I don't really know how else to put it. It's just like you didn't need to do this. No one asked. Like you know, just hey. leave it be. Well, it's gonna be good. We're gonna see more main decked lava coils yeah. now, but with a different name. Obliterating bolt is exceptional. It's yeah. exceptional. Okay, so that is going to uh, wrap us for today. Before we go, I would like to shout out our sponsor, Barrister and Man. Uh, just a great place to get uh, a lot of great grooming and personal hygiene products. I know I've got a re-up on some hand soap. I think I'm down to about one bottle. Um, so uh, I'll talk to them soon. But a lot of great stuff. It makes great gifts for the upcoming holidays. So do check them out. Uh, and uh, when you do, use our code, which is MTGRANTS15. Uh, that's a new code. It has changed from the recent one, and uh, that'll get you 15% off of your first order. And since it's a new code, even if you've used one of the old codes, it should get you another 15% off. Uh, so make sure to, to use that one again. Again, the code is MTGRANTS15 for Barrister and Man. Uh, we love them, and they support us, so we appreciate uh, sending any business we can their way. Todd, once again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, oh, you're welcome. I was glad yeah, to be here. Love talking to you about new cards and especially getting your perspective on Pioneer. Uh, if you haven't uh, watched Todd's stream, where uh, where can they find you on Twitch, Todd? So I stream uh, most weekdays, um, uh, twitch.tv slash Tandy. That's T-A-N-D-Y. I'm usually playing Pioneer. Uh, my hours are 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and then uh, I, I don't stream on Wednesdays. On Wednesday, I write an article for my Patreon. Um, today's no exception. Right after I get done with this, I'm going to go write about my five favorite cards, and I'm going to build some decks around them. Is that uh, uh, patreon.com slash Tandy? Sure is, patreon.com slash Tandy. Uh, most most mediums, I'm either Tandy or Tandy MTG. So if you want to find me, T-A-N-D-Y is what you want to search for. 
Um, and as we have said earlier, it's a portmanteau of Todd Anderson. It's not like uh, I'm not named after the computer, you know, from the 80s. But uh, I make to, to be fair, you're also from the 80s. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I make a lot of magic content, and it's basically all I think about when I'm not, like, watching TV or playing a video game. So I uh, I like doing it, man. I like making content, and uh, people have been really into my Pioneer stuff lately, and uh, it's been nice. So Yeah, uh, we appreciate you being here. Todd makes great t- content, so uh, please check that out. Uh, if you can, uh, maybe throw a few bucks his way. Um, and that's going to be it for this week. Tannen will be back next week. So we'll have our, uh, the regular twosome, uh, thank y'all for listening and we will see you next week.